on air for our Phoenix Championship 4 NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. All right. Well, it is Championship Preview Night, so... Excited about that. I know it's coming down to the end of the season, but a little sad about that. But I know we can all always use a break uh, for about a week or two, and then we want to be right back at it, right? No kidding. Uh, Yes, this is our last Thursday night show, our last NASCAR weekend preview of the 2020 season. But we will be back at it in uh, February of next year when uh, the NASCAR season gears up again. So uh, stay tuned for that. Okay, so tonight, first of all, in the first half hour, we're going to preview the ARCA West season finale that's going to take place at Phoenix this weekend. Um, And then right after that, we're going to get into the NASCAR Truck Series Championship 4 at Phoenix. So we're going to focus on the four drivers that are competing for the championship and give you all kinds of stats and information about them. Uh, Then we'll get into the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the Cup Series, and hopefully we'll have time to also give you some audio, uh, hopefully from all four drivers, but uh, uh, we'll kind of have to see how that goes. At 10 o'clock, we'll get into the Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew, and I think we'll have a few things to talk about there. Uh, to close out the show for tonight. Now, the Hot Topic Sound Off will be back for Monday night's show because we'll do our final review show on Monday night, and that starts at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, after we do the review, we'll have our final Hot Topics on on Monday night. So just an FYI there. Also, Joe Graff Jr. is joining us for Monday night's show as well. So... Uh, keep that in mind. Uh, we will have a guest on Monday night. All right, so with that, Jay, let's go ahead and get into the Arca Menard Series West. They are going to be racing their season finale. This will wind it all up for the entire Arca Menard Series East, West, and the Series. Uh, this is the final uh, season finale, the Arizona Lottery 100 at Phoenix Raceway this Saturday, November the 7th, uh, at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. It'll be noon Mountain Time. Now, fans who are members of the Track Pass on NBC Gold will be able to watch the live streaming. Otherwise, you can watch the delayed broadcast on Wednesday, November the 11th, at 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, and also MRN will have that available as well. This is a one-mile paved oval, There will be uh, qualifying from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. local time in Arizona. And uh, this is going to be fun to watch because you've got two drivers that are pretty much dominated all season long. Right, Jay? Yeah, the West Championship race is coming in hot when they get to Phoenix. Uh, Jesse Love (laughs) and Blaine Perkins have led by far the most laps in the Arkham Menard Series West competition in 2020, a combined 651 laps. They also have won six of the ten races run this so far this season uh, with three victories apiece. So the 15-year-old Love and the 20-year-old Perkins naturally are the two drivers who have chance to leave Saturday's season finale at Phoenix Raceway with that champion, West Series championship. 
Now, the Arizona Lottery yeah, the 100, Ar- it's the 11th. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. The 11th and final Arkham Menards West race of the season, uh, part of the NASCAR championship weekend at the One Mile Oval in Avondale, Arizona. And as Sharon mentioned, the race will air on Track Pass on NBC Sports Gold at noon Mount, Mountain Standard, 2 p.m. Eastern. And the MRN radio broadcast will also be available. Okay. Uh, now, what we're going to watch for this is what this one is all about uh, the championship battle, which is down to just the two drivers that Jay was just talking about. A total of 27 cars, Jay, are entered for Saturday's West finale. That's enough to pack the track with a lot of action, but not enough to give Tracy Trotter uh, a chance to win the title over Lover Perkins. Now, Trotter is 19 years old. She's third in the West standings, and she enters the race just 36 points behind the leader, Jesse Love. To steal the title, she would have... Uh, needed she would have needed to win while Love finished worse than 31st and Perkins finished worse than 17th. Not likely to happen. Uh, so Perkins enters this Phoenix race 14 points behind Love and is the only driver who can jump the, jump the current point leader for the title, and he's well within striking distance, Jay. Well, that's too bad. I was hoping that, that Gracie might have that absolute mathematical chance. Obviously, you don't want to see drivers have bad finishes, um, like 31st and 17th. Uh, but I would like to have at least seen it be a mathematical possibility, uh, unfortunately. But 27 is still a big, uh, big field, so that's going to make this battle between the two very important. Now, Love finished eighth at Kern County, marking the first time in the West in the 10 West races. He has finished worse than fourth. That's a result allowed Perkins to gain those few crucial points ahead of the finale. So going into Phoenix, uh, who knows? They're going to both be fighting for that P1 position. Absolutely. In his first year driving the number 19 Napa Power Premium Plus Toyota for Bill McAnally Racing, Love leads the series in top five five finishes. He has nine. He also has four general tire pole awards, and he's led 369 laps. His average finish is an amazing 2.9 and is by far the best among the drivers who have run all 10 West races this season. All right. Now, Love has not finished worse than eighth all season and needs to finish eighth or better at Phoenix to clinch that championship. That'd be regardless of where Perkins finishes. Some good news for Love, he has some experience at Phoenix this year, as he also ran the Arkham Nard Series race there back in March. The good news for Perkins, Love finished 16th in that race after a late race incident. A similar result this time around would open that door for Perkins' potential championship. Yeah, absolutely, and and it, it's so close. It's going to be a, so much fun to watch. Um, okay, now... Let's talk about the crew chief handout. The starting field for the Arizona Lottery 100 is limited to 26-plus provisional positions, uh, so it's going to run under the 2020 Arkham Menard Series rules, procedures, regulations, and specifications. Starting positions are going to be set by each car's fastest recorded lap during the qualifying session, and a maximum of four crew members can service the car. 
break uh, the brake pitting procedure is no adding or removing tires to or from the pit box once the race is started. Now, it's going to be 100 laps. That's 100 miles. This is a one-mile oval, and it's to be run in two segments. There will be a break at or near the conclusion of lap 50. The maximum tire allotment uh, for this event, per the ARCA rulebook, uh, is uh, the this is the maximum number of tires allowed in the pit box for use during the race is 12. So that should be plenty for this race, uh, Jay. And uh, I, I think uh, 27 cars entered for this race is just amazing. Uh, but this is a season finale and a chance for a lot of drivers. We've got a lot of people coming from the east to participate in this race. Well, and we, we knew go that from was the bottom a high probability. Right. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, we knew that was a high probability. The key thing there is if you go back up to to that, only 26 are uh, going to qual- be qualified. So one one of these drivers is going to go home, uh, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately. So that's why that qualifying is going to be so, so important. Uh, uh, let's. I'll, I'll start from the bottom up. We'll start with uh, Gracie Trotter in that number 99, Bill McAnally Toyota. She has Ro- Roger Bracken on her pit box. Uh, Sarah Burgess will be on top of the pit box for Bridget Burgess's Toyota uh, in the number 88 Toyota. All right, the number 78 with Ty Joner as the crew chief for the Don Wood Don Wood owned Toyota. That'll be Jack Wood. Uh, for velocity with velocity racing and then takuma koga in the number 77 seeing him there all year car owned by joe nava with chris greeny as the crew chief and jack wood was just announced with gms racing for next season so we'll see a lot more of him next season uh also in the number 54 w that's 54 west Joey Iced uh, will be driving the Mike Naki Toyota with Mike Naki on top of the pit box. And then also Chris Lawson is on top of the pit box for fifty, the number 54 Ford for Todd Gilliland. He's coming back to be racing this weekend. And you may be looking at a spoiler of a winner there, I'll tell you that. The number mm-hmm. 32, that'll be Howie the third. Kevin Sawinski as the car owner of that Chevrolet. Jamie Jones as the crew chief. Mark Rett will be in the ear of Justin Lawson as he uh, owns and crew chiefs the number 30 Ford. Yeah, that's Di Savino, the third, just so people aren't confused about who that is. Um, in the number 27, Bobby Hillis Jr. Uh, Chevrolet is uh, Bobby Hillis Jr. He'll be driving the number 27, and Ed Ash will be on top of the pit box. Kevin Reed on top of the pit box for the Venturini number 25 car, uh, Toyota, driven by Keith Rocco. So looking forward to seeing what Keith does this weekend. Uh, Getting another start in the number 22 Chad Bryant machine. That'll be Chris Wright with Paul Andrews, legendary crew chief there uh, for that Chevrolet The next Chevrolet up, uh, again, maybe looking at a winner here, the number 21 of GMS, Murray Gallagher-owned, Sam Mayer, and he'll have Marty Lindley in the box. 
Okay, driving the number 20 for Venturini Motorsports is Corey Heim. He's going to be behind the wheel of uh, that Toyota with Billy Venturini on top of the pit box. And then Jesse Love, the series points leader in the number 19 for Bill McAnally Racing Toyota with Jason Dickinson on top of the pit box. All right, Heather, uh, how many winners could we possibly have here? The 18 of Ty Gibbs <laughs> for the uh, Coy Gibbs uh, Toyota, Mark McFarland, another great crew chief, and then you got the 17W, Zane Smith making a start here in a Chevrolet owned by Steve McGowan with Sam, uh, Sean Samuels as the crew chief. That's right, and then he's Zane's in the 17W. Taylor Gray is going to be in the number 17 DGR Crosley car, uh, a Ford this weekend with Chad Johnson on top of the pit box. And then John Camilleri will be on top of the pit box for the BMR Bill McAnally Racing number 16 with Gio Salzi, uh behind the wheel. Well, and Venturini didn't come with just one car. Here we got another one, the number 15. That'll be Drew Dollar in that Toyota. Shannon Rush as the crew chief. Michael Munoz. He's going to be working the Kelly Souza-owned car with Todd Souza as the driver of the number 13 Toyota. Okay, and the number 12 W uh, for Bill McAnally Racing this weekend is Alan Sedgwick. Uh, you can read about him at ARCAracing.com. Uh, this is a big deal. He'll be driving the Toyota with uh, for Bill McAnally with Kevin Bellacourt as his crew chief. Kevin Cram will be the crew chief for the Hillenburg number 12 car, driven by Chris Hacker, uh, and that is a Toyota. Then you have the Hillenburg uh, Chevrolet. That's the number 10. Cody Erickson in the driver's seat. Mike Schroof as the crew chief. Jeff Schrader, he'll be the crew chief of that number 9. Blaine Perkins, Bob Brunconi Ford, battling for the championship. With no doubt in my mind there. In the number seven is Devin Dotson uh, for Jerry, and he'll be on top of the pit box for the Ford, uh, number seven Ford, this weekend. And Bill Sedgwick will be the crew chief for the Bob Bruncati number six Ford, driven by Trevor Huddleston. I saw this earlier in the week, and the number four, David Gilliland owned Ford will be driven by none other than David Dillon. Derek Smith going to be the crew chief there. Uh, no surprise there to see these guys come out for this big West event showdown. No, it's uh, it's pretty cool. And if you want to know more about some of these drivers, there's some there's some uh, great articles up at uh, ArcaRacing.com. They've got one about Jesse Love, Jack Wood competing full-time for GMS Racing next season, uh, Howie D. Savino, uh, the third, and some of the lessons he's learned, uh, especially in the West season finale. Uh, and I know there was an article here, too. I don't see it now, but... Um, I'm going to have to look for it, more news here. If you click more news, it'll probably come up. But there is an article here, too, about um, the Sedgwick driver uh, driving this weekend in the Arkham and I was thinking that well. same thing when you, when you mentioned that, and I went to pull it up as well to kind of get a recap, and I cannot find it either. I'm looking. I'm like, where did this article go? Because they had a great article about it. 
you're going to have to go back a little ways. For some reason, uh, I did see this article earlier, and now it seems to, uh, I don't seem to see it. Okay, so uh, we'll look for that, I'll, I guess. I'll, I'll vouch for you, Sharon. You're not crazy, because I, too, when, when I pulled it up, uh, getting ready for the show, saw it as well. So I'll vouch that. Vouch. Yeah. We vouch for each other that we're not completely crazy. <laughs> they really did have a good article here on Bill Sedgwick. Uh, here, maybe this is it. Nope, that's Blaine. Okay, I don't know what happened to it. Uh, it was a great article. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll put it back up here so we can kind of see more about him. Uh, but they do have some other great articles there for you to take a look at. Um, again, the series point standings, I believe it's uh, just 14 points between Jesse Love and Blaine Perkins. Uh, but this is a classic competition between Bob Rucati's, uh group with Sunrise Ford and Bill Pinelli's group with those Toyotas, those Napa Toyotas. Well, and we talk about this every year, and we talked about it coming into the season, throughout the season, and it has come down to that uh, really what a heavyweight slugfest, as we mentioned. Each one of them with three wins. Jesse Love does have nine top fives versus Blaine Perkins, eight. He also has one more top ten, ten out of ten uh, in the top ten category, whereas Blaine Perkins only has nine. But you look at the numbers, 2.8 to 3.7 average start. 2.9 to 4.1 average finish. And, again, that equates to the 14-point difference here coming into this finale. Yes, indeed. Gracie Trotter uh, in a great position uh, in third. Gio Selzy in fourth place. They're both Bill McAnally racing drivers. And then Trevor Huddleston, Blaine Perkins' teammate there with Bob Brunkati and Sunrise Ford. So uh, those are your top five, and, yeah, I can't wait uh, to see how this plays out. Uh, these guys are going to be, uh, if you look at the, the, net, the positions three through five, there is uh, just a matter of, let's see here, four points and eight points, 12 points between those three drivers. So those drivers are going to be racing hard to get the very best position they can get to finish out this season. Well, and you talked about the point swing that can happen here with a full field. They'll obviously have a full field, 26 cars here with 27 cars. They're going after it, starting with qualifying. Exactly. Uh, did we mention Lawless Allen? Oh, no, he's in the points. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not, I was thinking I was looking at the um, entry list. Oh, <laughs> this is, there we this go, is yeah. the point standing. Okay. All right, so this is pretty cool. Uh, definitely you want to tune in for this. Uh, it's going to be worth it to uh, uh, live stream it on, on NBC Gold's uh, Track Pass. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. All right, now uh, let me look here. I want to just double-check to make sure this isn't going to be on a live broadcast. It wasn't in the notes that we had, but I want to check uh, I want to check something here real quick and make sure that we're not missing something. And, no, they've got it as track pass. I was hoping that we'd be able to have a TV broadcast of this because uh, it's going to be a, a really good race. So if you missed the live broadcast, uh, just make sure you catch that uh, NBC broadcast, the delayed broadcast, 
and catch this uh, season finale. Okay, Jay, we've got some time here to go over our fantasy game for the Fan for Racing crew here. Uh, and we've got quite a few of our picks, but not all of them yet. I'm checking my text messages now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, still waiting on Sam and Owen for the Xfinity, and then Owen and Mike for the Cup Series. So I'll start here with the I Truck Series. I think we're series. waiting for uh, Owen on you... the Cup Series. Oh, Sam and Owen in Xfinity. Yep. I got you. And then Owen on the Cup. Yep. Yeah, I'm waiting to hear from him on the cup side of it, and I haven't heard anything yet. Okay. okay well, we'll ahead. start here with the truck series. Uh, let's see. Sam, involved in the championship points. Uh, we'll start there. Got to pick first, took uh, Bill Moffitt, and if I had to cast a vote, Bill that would Moffitt? be counted three weeks from now. <laughs> I've got a question. I'm sorry, did Bill I say Bill? I'm sorry, I was going <laughs> to say, did I say Bill? Uh, Brett Moffitt, sorry. Um Brett Moffitt was the first off the board there, which I think does put him in good position to, to battle for that championship here on Fan for Racing. Uh, second up, I went with Matt Crafton. Owen took Sheldon Creed, which I think could be a, bat- a championship battle. Unfortunately, Owens is out in the points, so that kind of stole one from somebody else. Andy took Grant Enfinger, and you can't go wrong there either. James come in with Zane Smith, another one of the championship contenders, and James in the battle as well. Then Mike went with Austin Hill, and Sharon took Christian Eckes. And been talking about those points. Uh, I'll start. Uh, I'll start at the bottom on this one. Uh, I got the lowest points of 63, so I'm going to still try and catch oh Sharon. She's got 70. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I need all Owen's the points got... I can get today. <laughs> I got uh, Owens at 76 and Mike at 77. So theoretically, I could still catch Mike too, I guess. But uh, as as with everything, it comes down to the championship. Sam and James are tied at 98, and Andy is at 104. So that's a six-point difference. Oh, wow. Obviously a very doable uh, two points per position. You get the winner, and second place gets 10. That's four points right there. So... Uh, three battling for the Truck Series Championship, which I know I'm not the one involved, but I think that is so cool for this year. Okay. And for our Xfinity right. Series. There, James kicked us off with Justin Allgaier. Sharon took Chase Briscoe. And then Sindrick followed immediately with uh, Mike. Andy took Justin Haley. I'm going to go for the triple here with Harrison Burton as a, a spoiler yet again. And that leaves, again, we mentioned Sam and Owen. Now, on this one, again, we'll start from the bottom here. Unfortunately, in this case, it's Sam at 75 points. Mike got up to 98. And then we got a little bit of a tight battle here. James is at 110, Sharon at 114, and Owen at 119. So you guys got a three-way battle there amongst the three of you. The championship, Andy leads it, has a three-point advantage. I'm at 140. Andy is at 143, so that's two spots between our picks. And it's Justin oh, Haley versus Harrison Burton. I'm happy I took his Briscoe from him. <laughs> yeah, well, that's got to play play by the rules, right? We talked about that. No, uh, no, <laughs> no uh, showing favoritism or uh, manipulating. There we go. That was the word of the night Monday. There we Manipulation. Go. <laughs> All right. So moving up to the Cup Series, uh, the picks. 
let's see, where did we start there? Sam started there with Denny Hamlin, obviously championship contender, good pick. Sharon as well, Brad Keselowski. Andy went with Clint Boyer, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, obviously a fan favorite of his uh, when it comes down to me and him battling for the championship. He needs to get all the points with the race winner pick, and I had to get zero so because we're 13 points apart. I think he kind of just gave up on that one and went with his fan favorite there. Picked Clint Boyer one last time. Uh, James came in with Chase Elliott. I went ahead and took Kevin Harvick. I know it hasn't been as good as he used to be, but still has the best average. <laughs> now that leaves Owen and Mike yet to pick. For the points. Yes. Uh, Sharon, unfortunately you're at the bottom of this one. 115. Mike is at one. 18. You guys are kind of in your own battle there. Uh, Owen at 137, James at 138, and Sam at 142. Going to have their own little battle there in the middle. And then Andy's at 170. I'm at 183 for a total of 13 points. Again, the max is 14 with the last place getting zero, so he needs it all in that one shot. And then, let's see. Do the overall. Uh, let's see. Mike is at 293, and there's what 14, 42 points still available. So Mike's at 293. Sharon, you're at 299. Sam is at 315. Owen is at 332. So you guys can still get that far up to Owen in fourth from the bottom. James is at 346. He's been having some great weeks as of late. Really closed up on this, but going to come up a little short. I'm at 386. Andy's at 417. And so that is 31 out of the 42 points that I need total. So to catch him overall, I'm in that same boat. I need all the points, and I need him to have none. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, I think I'm finally going to be able to watch all these races um, uh, and we'll see how it goes. I, I might not be able to catch the truck race uh, live, but I'll be able to catch the other ones. And uh, definitely looking forward to it. Okay, we've got a lot to cover here. Uh, we're going to go over the championship four in all three series and give you some really good information about the drivers that will be contending for that championship in all three of these series, starting with the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. They'll be racing the Lucas Oil 150 at Phoenix on Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, Fox Sports 1 will carry the pre-race coverage starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, and radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be driving a distance of 150 miles. That means it's 150 laps. Uh, The first two stages are 45 laps each, and uh, the last stage will be 60 laps and end on lap 150. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and start. uh, Should we start from bottom up? Yeah, let's go from bottom up. Okay, well, I'm going to need a little bit of help here. I didn't realize this. Are each of the series separated? Because I only got Cup Series notes. Well, there's two no, There's two sections that came out. So uh, this section came out Wednesday. What you're looking at came out today. So, And then they put out another special piece that was supposed to come out Friday, but they put it out today. But we're just okay. going to do the trucks 
and Xfinity, and then go into the Cup. So you want to look for the earlier uh, one. For the uh, trucks one, then. Okay, let me see if I can copy this very quickly. Four. I apologize. I didn't realize that was in. They were in separate ones. Yeah, they are, and I thought you had it. Okay. What uh? What is it listed under? I'm not finding it from Thursday either. Well, hold on. I'm not looking at Jayski's. I'm looking at my email because I have it on email. So let me just oh. copy it and send it to you very quickly here. Can you get to your email account? Yep. Okay, I'm going to send yep. you must email. Yep, Jayski's must only have uh, the, the cup championship up. Okay, I so I'll go ahead that. and get like it I said, started. I didn't realize that was a separate one. All right. Okay, I'll go ahead and um, start it while you pull up the email. All right. And we'll go from there. And uh, we apologize to our listeners for this bit of a glitch, and uh, we'll go from here. Okay, for the Manufacturers Championship, the Gander Trucks Manufacturer uh, points is very close, and it's going to be decided this weekend at Phoenix. So Chevrolet is currently leading the championship standings for the uh, manufacturers with nine wins and 787 points. Toyota is in second place with seven wins and 780 points, and Ford sits in third with six wins and 770 points. For the uh, Trucks Owners Championship update, the four trucks and drivers uh, that made it into the driver playoff standings for the championship four are the same in the owner playoff standings this season, guaranteeing that a unified driver and owner championship will happen this year. So uh, the four drivers that are in the championship four are the four uh, owners that are in the championship up, uh, uh, points battle there. For Sunoco Rookie of the Year finale, with his advancement to the championship for GMS Racing, Zane Smith has already clinched the 2020 Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors. So Smith enters this weekend's event at Phoenix, having put up two wins, six top fives, and he's got 12 top tens. He also has a chance this weekend to become just the second rookie in series history to ever win the title. And if he does that, he'll join Eric Jones, who accomplished that feat in 2015. So Zane Smith could very well do it. It's going to be interesting to to see what happens. Uh, But let's uh, discuss our championship four drivers here in the truck series. Um, And uh, I'm going to just let everybody know They've got some crew chief information uh, available here. We're going to post that on fanforracing.com by series uh, before each of the races this weekend. So watch for that information uh, to come out about each of the championship crew chiefs for these drivers. So we're going to be looking at uh, Sheldon Creed, uh, Brett Moffitt, uh, Grant Infinger and Zane Smith. So I think we're starting with Zane Smith, right? Yes. 
Indeed. And uh, real quick, did you want to do the team talk, or is that going to go in with the crew chief corner? Uh, no, you can do the team talk. All right. Well, like she mentioned, uh, Zane Smith, the driver of the number 21 GMS Racing Silverado, is a rising star from Huntington Beach, California, has the chance to just become the second rookie in series history to win the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series title, joining Eric Jones from 2015. Now, Smith is just the third different Snoko Rookie of the Year candidate to make the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series before joining Christopher Bell in 2016 and on Austin Sindrick in 2017. Both Sindrick and Bell are tied for the best championship finish by a Gander Trucks rookie in the playoff era, which runs from 2016 to the present as they both finished third in points. Now, Smith's 2020 season has been a self-proclaimed dream filler. The 21-year-old GMS racing driver has been lights out this season, putting up two wins, coming at Michigan and Dover, a total of six top fives and 12 top tens. He ultimately ended the regular season fourth in the standings, but his five stage wins were enough to seat him second in the points heading into the postseason. And also with his advancement into the championship four, Smith has clinched the 2020 Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors for the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. Take a look at the playoffs recap. His path in the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series playoffs to the championship four has been a bit of a rocky one. His first round of the playoffs saw a 16th place finish at Bristol, 7th at Las Vegas, and a 33rd at Talladega, barely making it through to the next round. Now, in the round of eight, everything turned around for Smith as he finished 11th at Kansas and then followed it up with consecutive third-place finishes at Texas and Martinsville to point his way into the championship four. When we look ahead here, the outlook for Phoenix Raceway, not much to look at there for Smith. As a rookie, he will be making his series track debut this weekend. When we talk about the team, GMS Racing has won the 2016 NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series title with Johnny Sauter behind the wheel of that number 21 Chevrolet. It was the organization's first and to date only NASCAR National Series title. GMS Racing has a total of 36 Gander truck wins to their credit since joining the series back in 2013. They are the only team to have fielded a Gander Truck Series Championship four driver in all five years of this current elimination style playoff format. Johnny Sauter did it from 2016 to 18, Haley in 18 as well, Brett Moffitt uh, in 2019, and then Sheldon Creed, Brett Moffitt, and Zane Smith, three of the four here in 2020. Now, this is the first time since the inception of that elimination-style format in the playoffs in 2016 that an organization has fielded three out of the four championship four contenders in one season as I mentioned there with Moffitt, Smith, and Creed. Okay. Now, Brett Moffitt is next up. He'll be driving the number 23 GMS Racing Chevrolet Silverado this weekend, and he's looking to become just the fifth driver in series history to win multiple Gander Outdoor uh, Grander RV and Outdoor Truck Series championships during uh, the NASCAR joining NASCAR Hall of Famer Ron Hornaday Jr. Now, he has four titles uh, in 1996, 98, 
2007 and 2009. Uh, Matt Crafton, another uh, series champion, has three titles in 14, 13, and 19. Jack Sprague also has three titles in 97, 99, and 2001. And Todd Bodine has two titles in 2006 and 10. Now, Moffat won the 2018 Truck Series Championship with the little team that could, Hattori Racing Enterprises, in a Toyota with Scott Zipidelli as his crew chief. Now, this year, he's in a Chevrolet with the multi-truck GMS racing outfit and has Chad Norris on top of his pit box. Now, Moffat's road to the Outdoor Truck Series, uh, the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series playoffs this year was not an easy one. And he didn't win a race in the regular season, and he had to point his way into the playoffs, posting seven top fives in the first 16 races of the year. He finished the regular season in second in the standings, and his five-stage wins garnered him enough playoff points to see him fifth entering the postseason. In addition to his uh, Truck Series accomplishments, the 28-year-old was the 2015 Sunoco Rookie of the Year in the NASCAR Cup Series. Now, to take a look at his playoff recap, much like the regular season effort, Moffat had to point his way through the first round of the playoffs, posting a runner-up finish at Bristol, a 15th at Las Vegas, and a 7th at Talladega. It wasn't until the 20th race in the season and the fourth race of the playoffs that Moffat finally found victory lane, and he did so at Kansas Speedway. That win catapulted Moffat into the championship four round for the third time in his career, 2018 to 2020. Now, his outlook at Phoenix Raceway, Moffat has made two series starts at Phoenix, posting a win in his series debut at the track in 18, and that was en route to his first career title. And he also finished 10th last season in the Phoenix playoff race. He led uh, 19 laps in his 2018 victory at the one-mile track. Now, looking at the team talk, GMS Racing won the 2016 NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series title with Johnny Sauter behind the wheel of the number 21 Chevrolet. It was the organization's first and today only national uh, series title. GMS Racing has 36 Gander Truck Series wins to their credit. Since joining the series in 2013, uh, they've had a lot of success in a short amount of time. And they're the only team to have fielded a Truck Series championship for drivers in all five years of the current elimination-style playoff format. Johnny Sauter in 2016-18, Justin Haley, in 2018, Brett Moffat in 19, Sheldon and, in, and Sheldon Creed, Brett Moffat and Zane Smith all in the playoff for the championship four this year. Well, the third uh, one, Grant Infinger, number 98, Thor Sport Racing Ford F-150 driver. Now, when Thor Sport Racing driver Grant Infinger looks back on the 2020 season, there is no doubt he will smile. The 35-year-old Enfinger is having the best season of his career this year, and it all started with kicking off this season opener uh, with a massive win at Daytona International Speedway. 
Now the talented driver from Fairhope, Alabama, is looking to etch his name in the record books with a championship in the Gander trucks. Enfinger made a name for himself as an early driver in the go-karts before moving up to legend cars and winning over 50 events in the legend series all across the southeast, including two Alabama state championships. He then moved up to the super late models before trying his hand at the Arca Menard series in 2008. In 93 Arca starts, he won the 2015 championship and put up 15 wins, 46 top fives, and 65 top tens. Enfinger then made the jump to the trucks, making just eight starts for GMS Racing in 2016, but he won at Talladega Super Speedway in just his seventh start that season. The win helped propel Enfinger's career in 2017 when Enfinger signed a full-time deal with Thor Sport Racing and has been challenging for wins with the team ever since. This season, Enfinger has carried the Thor Sport Racing banner, winning a career-best three races in the regular season at Daytona, Atlanta, and Richmond, and then one more during the playoffs at Martinsville to lock himself into this championship four for the first time in his career. In total, Enfinger finished the regular season with three wins, six top fives, and 11 top tens, came in ranked as the fourth seed entering the playoffs. And when we look at his playoffs, his uh, postseason started off strong with consecutive top tens in the first two events at Bristol and Las Vegas. He then managed a 13th place finish in a wild Talladega race and rebounded at Kansas with a fourth place finish. But Enfinger's championship four hopes took a turn for the worst at Texas when he suffered engine issues, relegating him to a 32nd place finish. As a result, Enfinger had dropped to six in the playoff standings, 35 points behind the championship four cutoff, heading into a must-win situation at Martinsville. And win he did as Enfinger put on a masterful display of short track skill and strategy to grab the checkered flag at the .526 mile short track and guarantee his spot in the championship four, again, for the first time in his career. His previous best finish in the final championship standings was fifth coming back in 2018. Looking ahead to the championship this year at Phoenix, Enfinger has made three NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series starts at Phoenix Raceway, posting two top five finishes, fourth in 2018 and fifth in 2019. He's also led 10 laps at Phoenix coming in 2018. When we talk about Thor Sport Racing, it is the longest tenured team in the Gander Trucks and does it all from their Sandusky, Ohio headquarters. The organization has a pair of Gander Truck titles to their credit with driver Matt Crafton in 2013 and 14. With over 1,000 entries in the series dating back to 1995, Thor Sport Racing has won 36 times in the Gander Trucks. If Thor Sport were to win the title this season, they would t- break a tie with Hendrick Motorsports for the most NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series titles with three each. Thor Sport would become the first organization in the Gander Trucks with four driver championships. Okay, up next is Sheldon Creed. Number He drives the number two GMS Racing Silverado, and he's known for his diversity to drive anything with four wheels. 
<laughs> Sheldon Creed has been successful in just about every racing series he's competed in. Not only is the Californian, California native Creed an X Games gold medalist and two-time stadium super trucks series championship, but he's also captured the 2018 Arkham Art Series championship. Now, the 23-year-old has a chance to add the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series title to his resume. And this weekend at Phoenix Raceway is just his second full season. So despite all the abnormalities of this season brought on by the pandemic, Sheldon Creed is having a career year in the Gander Truck Series. He kicked off the season posting five top tens in his first seven races, including his first series career victory at Speedways, Speedway, and that locked him into the playoffs for the first time in his career. Then, at his series debut at Daytona International Speedway's road course, he flexed his muscles and again, <clears throat> excuse me, again reminded his competitors how talented he is as he grabbed his second victory of the season. He then followed that up with another win at the Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, and in the process, he earned enough playoff points to qualify for the number one seed heading into the postseason. So in total, Creed ended up the regular season with three wins, six top fives, and eight top tens. Now let's talk about his playoffs. Now Creed danced his way into the uh, Truck Series playoffs with momentum as the number one seed, but he stumbled out of the gate, finishing 13th in the opener at Richmond Raceway. Now, Creed began to rebound in the next race at Bristol, finishing 11th, and turned it up at Las Vegas, finishing runner-up behind fellow playoff contender Austin Hill. He then survived the wild card that is Talladega with a 12th-place finish and continued his ascension toward the championship four with a runner-up finish at Kansas the following week. But it wasn't until two weeks ago when he lassoed his fourth victory of the season at Texas Motor Speedway that secured his chance at a title in the championship four round at Phoenix. Now, Creek continued, concluded the round of eight with an eighth-place finish last weekend at Martinsville. <clears throat> as far as Phoenix Westway, the GMS driver Sheldon Creed has made two uh, series starts at Phoenix, posting a 10th place finish in 2018. And in last season's playoff race, he started third and led 16 laps, but ended up finishing in 12th place. As far as GSS Racing goes, uh, they won the 2016 uh, Truck Series Championship title with Johnny Sauter behind the wheel of the number 21 Chevrolet. It was the organization's first and today only. Uh, series title. Uh, I think we've kind of covered this already. Covered well, this we have before. since they do have three drivers, three out of the four. Got three drivers uh, that are with GMS Racing. So there you have it for the three, four drivers that will be competing for that title uh, in the truck series. I do have uh, audio from all four of those drivers. Who would you like to hear from? We've got about. Uh, Two minutes. <laughs> let's go. Let's go with the rookie Zane Smith. He's got a shot at uh, at history here uh, as a rookie. Okay, Zane Smith in the number twenty-one GMS Racing Chevrolet. 
Yeah, it's down there. All right, Zane, can you hear us? Hear you. All right. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to um, get in as many questions as we can during um, our allotted time, and we're going to kick off with questions with Alan Kavana. Go ahead, Alan. Hey, Zane. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I don't know if a lot of people expected a rookie to be in the championship four in Phoenix, so that's what I wanted to ask you about, just kind of your evolution uh, and, and your ability to adapt, I guess, because other than, I guess, natural ability, why do you think you're able to adapt so quickly whether it be a truck or the good rides you had in Xfinity in limited starts, what is it about your preparation? I don't know that that makes you able to adapt so quickly and learn this stuff. Yeah, obviously a lot of preparation through Josh and I, um, but I don't know. I feel like uh, I went into uh, we had our first couple races of the year, and I knew after this year I didn't know what I'd be doing um, in 2021, and um, so I. I had some off time, obviously, during the pandemic, and uh, we went into Charlotte, and I drove, remember driving to the track, and I just I remember having a different outlook, and um, and I've kind of kept that outlook uh, for the remainder of the year, and it's kind of, it's worked out for me of just a screw it mindset, like, just go for it, and, um, and it's, it's worked at times, and it hasn't at times, but um, I don't know, I, I feel like just learning how to adapt uh, as fast as possible has really made the difference in people uh, this year with the no practice, no qualifying. And um, I know it was uh, pretty tough with, with me never being in a truck and uh, never being to uh, or never have been to a lot of these places. So um, that was that was our biggest issue. But um, luckily, me and Bono have really connected this year and um, – have been able to get our trucks where we need to, and um, and that's just been the, the biggest key. Okay, there we have it from uh, Zane Smith, and his thoughts about being a rookie competing for a title among all these uh, other drivers. Okay, let's go ahead now and move on to the Xfinity Series and those championship four drivers. They'll be driving, uh, they'll be racing the desert. Diamond Casino West Valley 200 on Saturday, November the 7th at 5 p.m. Eastern. NBC Sports Network will show the uh, pre-race show at 4.30 p.m. along with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing 200 miles, so that's 200 laps. Um, and again, the first two stages are 45 laps each. And uh, the final stage ends on the last lap. So that's 110 laps. All right. So let's go ahead and get started there, Jay. All right. Well, I'll cover three quick set of notes here. One of them, not necessarily breaking news, the Sunoco Rookie of the Year finale. It's going to be hard for Harris Burton to not win the Sunoco Rookie of the Year award for the 2020 (laughs) NASCAR Xfinity Series. Burton has 2,211 points. Leads Riley Herbst in second by 32 points. He has a total of 21 awards, while Herbst has won nine. Now, the Xfinity Series Owner Championship update, the four cars and drivers that made it to the Driver Playoff Standings Championship 4 are the same in the Owner Playoff Standings this season, guaranteeing a unified Driver-Owner Championship this year. And lastly, the Manufacturers Championship. 
Chevrolet is currently leading the OEM championship standings with 10 wins and 1,155 points. Ford is in second with 14 wins, but only 1,126 points, while Toyota is sitting in third with eight wins and 1,069 points. Okay. Our first uh, playoff driver in the Xfinity Series is Justin Haley, driving the number 11 colleague racing Chevrolet Camaro. Justin is also having a career best season this year. In only a second full-time season in the Xfinity Series, Haley has captured his first career victory at Talladega Super Speedway. He then went on to win at Daytona International Speedway and the second race at Talladega Super Speedway. So Haley's third win uh, of his career and third of the season at Talladega marked his third straight victory on a Super Speedway, a streak that's matched only by Dale Earnhardt and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Not bad for, for uh, Justin Haley to be associated with those two. Haley has made 32 series starts this year, gathering three wins, uh, the ones that we just talked about, two at Daytona, two at Talladega, one at Daytona, 10 top fives, 20 top tens. He's led 113 laps this season, and he's managed an average start of 7.3 with an average finish of 10.4. In addition to that, Haley has posted a solid season in the loop data stats, including a driver rating of 96.6, that's seventh best. He has an average running position of 9.225, also seventh best, and a total of 185 fastest lap runs, that's eighth most, and he's completed 87.9% of his laps, or a total of 4,629 in the top 15, which is fifth best. His playoff recap for this year, Haley's been extremely consistent during the duration of the playoffs. At the opener at Las Vegas, he finished 10th. He then went on to win at Talladega, securing his spot into the round of eight. At the Charlotte Roval, he finished 35th, but didn't have to worry since he'd won the week prior. In the round of eight opener at Kansas, Haley finished fourth, and the following week at Texas, he finished seventh. Last weekend, Haley's 12th place finish was just enough to get him into the championship four. Now, Saturday will be Haley's fourth start at Phoenix Raceway in his Xfinity Series career. He has one top five there and two top tens, his best finish coming most recently earlier this year when he finished fifth. He completed all of the laps attempted at the track and has an average start of 12.7 with an average finish of 8.0. Not bad there either. This weekend is going to mark Colleg Racing's first championship four appearance. In 2019, Haley made it to the playoffs, but he was eliminated in the round of 12. Uh, in 2018, Ryan Truex made the series playoffs, but was eliminated in the round of 12 as well. In 2017, Blake Koch uh, made the playoffs for the second season in a row, but only made it to the first round. So Colleg Racing's first start in the Xfinity Series was in 2016. In the team's five years, they have 224 starts, seven wins, 41 top fives, and 105 top tens, another team that's done extremely well 
in a short period of time. All right. Well, that was one of the two Chevys. I'm going to talk about one of the two Fords, and that's Austin Sindrick in the number 22 Team Penske Ford Mustang. It has been a career season for Austin Sindrick, who grabbed five wins with three of them coming back to back to back. Sindrick swept the Kentucky Speedway doubleheader weekend and then went on to win at the first Texas Motor Speedway. Sindrick, who announced that he would return to the Team Penske number 22 in 2021, in 2021, also announced he would be promoted to the NASCAR Cup Series in 2022, taking over the famous number 21 Wood Brothers racing Ford. Now, Sindrick's first win at Kentucky automatically put him into the playoffs. Sindrick has made 32 series starts in 2020, 2020 gathering five total wins. Kentucky uh, one and two, Texas the first time round, Road America, and then the Daytona Road Course. 18 top fives and 25 top tens. He has led a total of 875 laps on the season and managed an average start of 6.6 with an average finish right there at 8.9. In addition, Sindrick has posted great numbers in season-to-date loop data stats, including a driver rating of 111.0, which is a series best, average running position was 7.530, which is second best, total of 571 fastest laps run, series best, and it completed 86.2% of his 4,544 laps in the top 15, which was seventh best. Now the playoff recap, in the round of 12, Sindrich finished sixth place in the playoff opener at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The following weekend at Talladega Super Speedway, Sindrich finished 34th, and then look to the following week at the Charlotte Roval to clinch his spot in the next round. At the Roval, he finished with another sixth-place finish. That put him into the round of eight, where he struggled after being involved in a couple of on-track incidents, opened the round of Kansas Speedway with a 28th-place finish result, but a fourth-place finish at Texas the second time round, and then a 10th-place finish last weekend at Martinsville were good enough to punch his ticket to the championship four. When we look ahead to Phoenix, he's had pretty good uh, results there at Phoenix Raceway in the past, and you could expect him to be running up front this Saturday. This weekend will mark his sixth start at the track, where he has two top fives and four top tens in those starts. He's led 25 laps, has an average start of 6.6, and a tightly there close finish, average finish there of 7.8. Now, Sendrick was eliminated from the playoffs last season and in 2018 in the round of eight, so this will be his first championship four appearance. We talk about Team Penske. They have won three consecutive NASCAR Xfinity Series owner championships from 2013 to 15, tying Roger Penske with William Baumgartner and Joe Gibbs for the longest consecutive streak in series history. Team Penske added a fourth owner championship in 2017. This year marks Team Penske's 18th year in competing in the Xfinity Series. Team has a total of 630 starts, 75 of those being victories, 295 top fives, and 436 top tens. All right. Now next up is Chase Briscoe driving the number 98 Stuart Hawes Racing Ford Mustang. Following a career-best season, Chase Briscoe punched his ticket to Phoenix in the first race of the round of eight at Kansas Speedway. 
Briscoe was unstoppable this season, racked nine wins in 32 races. In only a second full-time season in the Xfinity Series, the Mitchell, Indiana driver heads to Phoenix Raceway as one of the favorites to win the championship. It was also announced just a few weeks ago that Briscoe will make the jump to the NASCAR Cup Series next season. He's taking over that number 14 Stuart Haas Racing Ford for Clint Boyer. In 82 Xfinity career starts, he has 11 wins. Briscoe, the 2019 NASCAR Xfinity Series Rookie of the Year, has made 32 series starts in this year. He has the nine wins. He won at the first Las Vegas, the first Darlington, Homestead Miami second race, Pocono, the Indianapolis Road Course, the second Dover race, the second Bristol race, the second Las Vegas race, and the second Kansas race. That includes 16 top fives and 21 top tens. He's also led 991 laps this season and has managed an average start of 6.4 with an average finish of 8.4. In addition, Briscoe's season-to-date loop data stats have uh, been some of the some for the books. Uh, including a driver rating of 110.2, which is second best, an average running position of 7.722, that's third best, a total of 557 fastest laps run, second most, and completed 86.6 of his laps for 4,561 in the top 15, that is sixth best. During the playoffs, Uh, with the uncertainty of some of the tracks in the playoffs uh, that some of the playoff uh, tracks brought, Briscoe's wins in the opening, in both opening races of the round of 12 and the round of 8 made his run to the championship four a lot less stressful. Winning at Las Vegas, the second Las Vegas uh, race is what punched his ticket into the round of 8. So it's 19th place finish and 18th place finish at Talladega and the Charlotte Roval didn't completely count him out. And remember that Charlotte Roval race was a mess. They were running in the rain, uh, torrential rain, I might say. So uh, it's a good thing he won that Las Vegas race. He then went on to win the second Kansas uh, race, which was the opening of the round of eight and has, again, had less pressure heading into Texas Motor Speedway, where he finished 24th, and Martinsville last weekend, where he finished 7th. At Phoenix, and he made his debut at the track last season when he finished 6th. In the second race at the track in 2019, he finished 8th, and earlier this season, he again finished 6th. Like every other weekend, expect Briscoe to start in the front, and be a race-winning contender during the duration of the race. With more time to prepare for Phoenix than the other teams, Briscoe will head into Saturday's race with some momentum on his side. Stuart Haas Racing hasn't won a NASCAR Xfinity Series Driver Championship yet, but the team began its NASCAR Xfinity Series program in 2017 and has since won 18 races, nine of them, Came this season. Stuart Haas Racing finished runner-up last season with Cole Custer in the championship four. So Briscoe made the playoffs but was eliminated in the round of eight 
in 2019 by virtue of Custer's second-place finish in the 2018 finale. The team won their first Xfinity Series Owners' Championship by one point over Chip Ganassi Racing. So that was pretty darn close. That a close battle here. Two Fords, two Chevys. The final driver we got here for the Xfinity Series, Justin Algar, number seven, junior motorsport Chevrolet Camaro. That's following a three-win season and a second-place finish last weekend at Martinsville Speedway. Junior Motorsports driver Justin Algar punched his ticket to the championship final four finale at Phoenix Raceway this Saturday. His season started out as a struggle, and it wasn't until his first win of the season, which was at the first race of the Do- at Dover International Speedway doubleheader, that things really started to turn around. Up until that point, Algar had five DNFs and was involved in various on-track incidences that put him out of races early. However, aside from those issues, his other finishes were consistent, and he was always running up front, having led 932 laps on the season thus so far. Now, for the fourth time in five years, the veteran has a shot at the Xfinity Series Championship at Phoenix. He finished third in his first two championship four appearances in 2016 and 17, and was fourth in last season's appearance. Algar has made 32 series starts in 2020, gathering those three wins I mentioned, Dover in the first race and then both Richmond races, 10 top fives, 18 top tens. He's also led that 932 laps and managed an average start of 9.5 with an average finish of 13.6. In addition, he's posted solid season-to-date loop data stats. His driver rating is 104.0, which is fifth best. Average running position was 8.490, a fifth best. Total of 449 fastest laps run, which is third most. And 89.4% of his 4,909 laps in the top 15 was second best. We talked about his uh, regular season, his playoff recap. It was kind of an up-and-down playoff run this season. The first round started off with a fourth-place finish at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The following weekend at Talladega, Algar finished 29th, and then the round of 12 ended at the Charlotte Roval, where he finished 23rd. In the next round, he kicked off with a 10th place finish at Kansas Speedway, but went on to Texas Motor Speedway and finished 26th. Martinsville Speedway last weekend was a nail-biter, as he needed every point he could get to solidify his championship four spot, but with that second place finish and a win in stage two, Algar pulled it off. Looking ahead to Phoenix, expect him to run well this weekend for the title as he has the most Xfinity Series starts of 20 at Phoenix Raceway among these championship four. Algar has two wins in 2017 and 19, and then seven top fives and 12 top tens. He has an average start of 10.2 with an average finish of 8.8, and led a total of 385 laps. And with this being the first time the season finale is at Phoenix Raceway, with Algar having won the second race at the track last season, expect the momentum for the number seven team to be very strong on Saturday. When we talk about the team that Junior Motorsports, they have won three NASCAR Xfinity Series driver championships, all with Sunoco rookies. 
Chase Elliott did it in 2014, William Byron in 2017, and Tyler Reddick in 2018. Junior Motorsports began its Xfinity Series program back in 2005 with driver Mark McFarlane and has since won 51 races, including five this season. They have had a total of 1,317 starts in the Xfinity Series with 357 top fives and 744 top tens. That's a lot. (laughs) That is. That is a lot. Okay, now I have the four championship drivers uh, audio here. Who would you like to listen to? We've got, well, actually, we Uh, don't have time. Let's we, okay. we don't really have time. We've got to get right into the Cup Series. I apologize. All right. Okay. So the Cup Series uh, also racing for the championship for this weekend at Phoenix. They'll be re- racing the season finale 500 on this Sunday, November the 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the race uh, pre-race coverage will start at 2 p.m. on NBC, and radio coverage will be available on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing 312 miles. That means 312 laps uh, each. Uh, let's see. Stage one ends on lap 75. Stage two ends on lap 190, and the last stage of course, ends, of course, on the last lap, lap 312. So let's go ahead and get started here with the Cup Series uh, stats. All right. Is this one we're doing off of uh, Jay Skis? Well, I don't. I have it on email, but you're probably getting it there. This one's a little bit different. Uh... Okay. So we'll do each driver, um, and I, I kind of sent you an email to say where we would skip. Yeah, I got those messages. That's right. Oops. Well, let me let me do the first one then. All right. Okay. Joey Logano is first up. He'll be driving the number 22 Team Penske Ford, and uh, Logano has a shot at his second Cup title in three years. Uh, Team Penske's Joey Logano uh, has a chance to become just the 11th different driver to win two or more titles within three seasons and the 17th driver to win multiple NASCAR Cup Series championships. Now, Herb Thomas, Buck Baker, Joe Weatherly, Lee Petty, Petty, Cale Yarborough, Daryl Waltrip, Jeff Gordon, Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, Jimmy Johnson have all won two or more of their multiple NASCAR Cup Series titles within a three-year period. And um, uh, we'll just leave that at that. Joy Logano started the 2020 season with high hopes in landing new crew chief Paul Wolf, but they had a very rough start in the season opening Daytona 500 following an incident that relegated them to a 26th place finish. But um, the 30-year-old didn't take any time to wallow, bouncing back, and following week, the following week at Las Vegas with a win and an automatic berth to the playoffs. He then collected another win at Phoenix Raceway just before the pandemic 
swept the nation. Now, once the series returned back to action, Logano's success slowed down. The 2018 series champ put up 12 top 10s to round out the regular season. He entered the playoffs as a fourth seed with 22 playoff points. Uh, Now, his path to the season finale at Phoenix, uh, Joey Logano has been a staple in the Cup Series playoffs. He qualified for the playoffs in seven of the 12 seasons that he's competed full-time in the Cup Series and since his inception of the elimination-style format in 2014. Logano has made the championship four round uh, a total of four times, he did it in 14, 16, 18, and again in 20. Besides the wild card that is Talladega, Logano's 2020 playoff campaign has been the most consistent among the championship four. Logano uh, touts the best average finish at 8.1 among the four title contenders, contenders through the first nine races of the postseason, but he also grabbed the first round win of the round of eight to guarantee his spot into the season finale in the round of 16 the number 22 team and driver joe logano put up back-to-back third place finishes at darlington and richmond and then closed out the round with an 11th place spot at bristol the round of 12 was the most treacherous for logano throughout the postseason he finished 14th at las vegas 26th at Talladega due to an incident, but managed to pull out a runner-up finish at the Charlotte Roval to advance into the round of eight. Logano took the victory at Kansas, locking himself into the championship four, and has been on cruise control ever since, finishing 10th at Texas and a third last week at Martinsville. Logano's time to shine in the Valley of the Sun of the four drivers vying for the NASCAR Cup Series title this weekend at Phoenix, Team Penske's Joey Logano has to be the most thrilled. It will be decided that it will be decided on the one-mile oval in the Valley of the Sun, as he is the most recent winner. Back in March, Logano started 13th at Phoenix and raced his way to the win, leading 60 of the scheduled 316 laps. Logano actually passed his teammate, Brad Keselowski, for the lead in the closing laps for the victory. In total, Logano has made 23 series starts at Phoenix. He has two wins there in 16 and 20, five top fives and 12 top tens. His average finish is 14.348. That's ninth best in the series, but fourth among the championship four. Expect Logano to be in the mix this weekend at Phoenix. He's ranked in the top ten in several key pre-race loop data categories with an average running position of 12.205, eighth best, a driver rating of 91.4, that's eighth best, and 215 fastest laps run, that's tenth best, and 5,001 laps in the top 15 which is 69.7%. That's ninth most. Now, let's see. Team Penske's chance at a third title. The 2020 NASCAR Cup Series Championship 4 is comprised of four drivers from three organizations, Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, and Team Penske. Since one organization managed to qualify two teams for the championship four, their odds of winning are double that 
of the other two organizations, making Team Penske the odds-on favorite for the title this weekend. Not only has Team Penske won the most recent race at Phoenix back in March, but the organization has a total of three wins at the one-mile track. Rusty Wallace won in 98 and Joy Logano in 16 and again in 20. Team Penske is currently tied with Roush Fenway Racing and Stuart Hawes Racing for the sixth most uh, NASCAR Cup Series championships in the modern era from 72 to the present. If Team Penske accomplishes the feat this weekend, they would break the tie with both Roush Fenway Racing and Stuart Haas Racing and become solely in the sixth position among the owners' championship and just three uh, behind Petty Enterprises with four in the modern era. So uh, there you have it for Joey Logano. Well, and the other one looking to help those numbers for Team Penske is the number two Ford of Brad Keselowski. Now, he looks to become the third active multi-time champion. Over the last two decades, winning multiple NASCAR Series championships has been rare, as only three drivers have accomplished the feat from 2000 to 2019. Seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson from 06 to 10, 13 and 16, Three-time champ and NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart did it in 02, 05, and 11. And two-time champion Kyle Busch, who did it in 15 and last year. This season, Team Team Penske's Brad Keselowski has that chance to add his name to the list and become just third driver with multiple titles. Keselowski brought Team Penske their first NASCAR Cup Series championship back in 2012, and then Joey Logano secured the organization's second title in 2018. The one thing that has been consistent throughout the years at Team Penske is that Keselowski has been impressive throughout his career. He is currently riding a 10-year streak of at least one race win in each season in the NASCAR Cup Series. He's made the playoffs nine times in his career, and this weekend marks the second time he has advanced to the championship four round, doing it also in 2017. In total, the 36-year-old has put up 34 NASCAR Cup Series victories. Looking back through the 2020 season, Keselowski slipped in the season opener at Daytona, finishing 36 due to an incident, but quickly recovered to ramble off three wins, coming in the first Charlotte race, Bristol, and New Hampshire, and 19 top tens to secure his spot in the postseason. He entered the playoffs, he did third with 29 playoff points but it was a late surge that lifted him to the championship four. The 2020 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs have been a roller coaster ride for Team Penske's Brad Keselowski. The 2012 champ jumped into the postseason with an 11th place finish at Darlington and then followed that up with a win at Richmond to advance to the round of 12. Following his win at Richmond, though, Keselowski went on a skid, laying down a 34th place finish at Bristol, a 13th at Las Vegas, and then 18th at both Talladega and the Charlotte Roval. Buoyed by his playoff points, Keselowski barely made the round of eight, but the opportunity gave him the chance to turn his postseason around, and he did so by finishing fourth at Kansas and then sixth at Texas. Heading into Martinsville last week, Keselowski held the fourth and final transfer spot into the championship four, and his fourth-place result at the .526-mile track was enough to land his number two, team into the championship four. 
Looking at his career best performances in the Arizona desert, though he has yet to win at Phoenix Raceway, he has or he enters this weekend with a lot of optimism so he can grab his second title. Michigan native has made 22 series starts at Phoenix Raceway, posting six top fives and 10 top tens. His average finish at Phoenix is 13.5, which is seventh best in the series and third best amongst the championship four. He also ranked in the top 10 in several key pre-race loop data categories. His average running position is 12.179, which is seventh best in the series. Driver rating is 93.8, seventh best. 366 fastest laps run, which is sixth best. And 4,898 laps in the top 15, or 71.3%, which is 10th most. Now, Keselowski started 14th and finished 11th in the cup race at Phoenix earlier this season. Now, again, we go into delivering, trying to deliver Team Penske its third title. Uh, He has done it once, so he can do it again. At least that is what Team Penske is hoping for this weekend at Phoenix Raceway, as Keselowski will attempt to bring the organization its third Cup Series championship. Again, he picked up their first Cup title back in 2012 for Roger Penske, and then Joey Logano in 2018. No Sharon covered there with the uh, multiple um, Multiple championships where Penske ranks. Uh, they have won, Team Penske has won three times at Phoenix Raceway, the first in 98 with Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace, and the next two by Joe Logano in the playoff race of 2016, and then yeah, earlier this season. Yeah, we covered that already, Jay. Okay, Kozlowski. Uh, next up I, is, is there more? <laughs> is uh, Denny Hamlin driving the number 11 for Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, The third time just might be the charm for Denny Hamlin. Uh, He burst into the NASCAR Cup Series scene full-time in 2006, and ever since then, he's been a force in the series, year in and year out. The 39-year-old has competed in the series for 15 full-time seasons, qualifying for the Cup Series playoffs, in 14 of those 15 seasons. This season will mark the third time the Virginian has made the championship four round. He did it in 14, 19, and 20, and Hamlin is hoping this time is the year he gets his first title. If Hamlin were to accomplish the feat this weekend, he would also become the first NASCAR Cup Series driver from Virginia to win a championship. In 2014, he qualified for the final round of the playoffs, but finished seventh, in the season finale at Homestead, Miami, and ultimately third in the point standings. Last season, he advanced to the championship four for the second time in his career, but a tough call on Pitt Road in the season finale was costly for Hamlin, and he finished the race in 10th and ultimately fourth in the final championship standings. Hamlin's best finish in the Cup Series championship standings came in 2010 when he finished runner-up in points just behind Jimmy Johnson. Hamlin kicked off the 2020 season with his third victory at the Daytona 500, locking himself into the playoffs in the opening week of the schedule. Since then, he's been one of the best in the series this year. In 35 starts, he's posted seven wins, 
17 top fives, and 20 top tens. His average finish this season is a stout 9.5. His path to Phoenix was a rocky one. Uh, The Joe Gibbs Racing standout, Denny Hamlin, had to bank on his series-leading 54 playoff points a few times this postseason. But despite the slow start, he has advanced into the championship four. Hamlin stumbled out of the gate this playoffs, finishing 13th at Darlington, 12th at Richmond, and 31st at Bristol in that round of 16. It wasn't until the round of 12 that he began to step it up, and he finished third at Las Vegas and won at Talladega to guarantee a spot into the round of eight. There he finished uh, 15th at the Charlotte Roval. In the round of eight, Hamlin was methodical with his strategy and pointed his way into the championship four by finishing 15th at Kansas, 9th at Texas, and 11th at Martinsville. Hamlin is the only driver from last season's championship four. Martin Truex, Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick uh, were the other drivers uh, to make it uh, back into the final round this year. Hamlin and Joey Logano are the two remaining title contenders with previous championship four experience. Brad Kazlowski won his series title in 2012 prior to the inception of the elimination-style playoff format that started in 14. And Elliott is making his championship four debut this weekend. Now, his previous performance at the Cac- in Cactus Country For the first time in series history, Phoenix Raceway is hosting the season finale race, and they've set the stage for the championship four to compete for the NASCAR Cup Series title. And the change in venue is a very welcome one for Denny Hamlin. The one-mile Phoenix Raceway is one of the Joe Gibbs Racing Drivers' very best tracks in the Cup Series, having made 30 starts collecting two wins in 2012 and 2019, 13 top fives, and 17 top tens, and that includes two poles. His average finish at Phoenix is 11.267, which is fifth best in the series and best among the championship four. He also ranks in the top ten in several key pre-race loop data categories at Phoenix with an average running position of 11.487, sixth best in the series, a driver rating of 97.7, fifth best, and 453 fastest laps run, which is fourth best, and 6,759 laps in the top 15, uh, seventh most. He started third and finished 20th in the Phoenix race earlier this year. Continuing uh, Joe Gibbs Racing's excellence, uh, Jenny... Denny Hamlin earned his first Cup Series pole position at Phoenix in 2005 in only his sixth start. The following year marked his full-time debut with Joe Gibbs Racing, and he immediately started things out on the right foot, winning the 2006 Daytona Speedway's season-opening exhibition event, the Budweiser Shootout, in just his first try. Since then, Hamlin has earned 44 Cup Series point race victories and picking up his third Daytona 500 win this last February. Now the 39-year-old is looking to bring Joe Gibbs Racing its sixth 
NASCAR Cup Series championship, joining Bobby Labonte, who won it in 2000, Tony Stewart in 2002 and 2005, and Kyle Busch, who won the championship in 2015 and again in 19. Last up is uh, the fan favorite, Chase Elliott, driver of the number nine, Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet. And he has a chance to join his father as NASCAR Cup Series champion. NASCAR has been built by hardworking, dedicated families like the Francis, Petties, Jarrett's, Earnhardt's, And this weekend, Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott has the chance to add to his family's legacy and join NASCAR Hall of Fame Bill Elliott in 1988 as a champion in the highest form of stock car racing, the NASCAR Cup Series. If Elliott accomplishes the feat, the Elliotts would join the Petties with Lee and Richard, uh, as well as the Jarretts, and then just as just the third father-son combo to win the NASCAR series title. Now, Elliott's talent was apparent early in his career. The Georgia native jumped into the national NASCAR scene in 2013 in the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series on a part-time basis, making nine starts and winning a Canadian Tire, winning at Canadian Tire in just his sixth start. He then climbed up the Xfinity up to the NASCAR Xfinity Series junior motorsports and became the first rookie in series history to win the series championship in 2014. He ran one more season in the Xfinity, finishing runner-up in points in 2015, before moving up to the Cup Series full-time in 2016. Elliott has qualified for the playoffs all five seasons he has competed in the NASCAR Cup Series, but this is the first one in which he has a clear shot at the title. Since running full-time in the series, Elliott has put up 10 wins, 58 top fives, and 95 top tens. Mr. Most Popular is looking to cap off a career season. He is having a career year not only because he made the Cup Series championship four for the first time, but also he has racked up four wins on the season, which is a career first. The reigning series most popular driver, has shown had a slow start to the 2020 season with three finishes outside the top 15 in the first six races, but that all changed when he got to Charlotte. Elliott was strong in both the Charlotte Oval races, leading 38 laps in the first event and finishing runner-up, but followed it up the next day by race by leading 28 laps in his first event of the season. The 24-year-old then rallied off 10 top 10 finishes, and another win at the Charlotte Roval to finish out the regular season. He entered the playoffs in 2020 here as the fifth seed with 20 playoff points to his credit. Unfortunately, an incident with Martin Truex for the lead at Darlington relegated him to 20th place finish to open the postseason, but he quickly rebounded, finishing fifth at Richmond and seventh at Bristol to advance to the round of 12. Again, he struggled at the start of the next round, finishing 22nd at Las Vegas, but found momentum at Talladega with a fifth-place finish and secured his spot in the round of eight with a win at the Charlotte Roval. He then finished sixth at Kansas and slipped to a 20th-place finish at Texas in the round of eight. As a result, Elliott was in a precarious position, 25 points behind the championship four cutoff 
heading into the petulant race of the season at Martinsville Speedway. But the rising star answered the call and won at Martinsville Speedway, becoming the third driver since the inception of the elimination-style format in 2014 to win his way into the championship four-round, joining Kevin Harvick in 14 and Denny Hamlin in 19. His previous best finish in the final championship standings was fifth back in 2017. Through the 35 races this season, Chase Elliott has put up four wins, 14 top fives, 21 top tens, led a total of 1,094 laps, has an average finish of 12.0. He also has the second-best season-to-date driver rating of 105.3 on the year. Now, his prowess in the Valley of the Sun, it'll be the first time in history, again, Phoenix Race, we will host that season finale and set the stage for the championship four to battle it out for the NASCAR Cup Series title. The recent change could not have come at a better time for Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott, performed much better at Phoenix than the previous season that uh, final venue of Homestead Miami Speedway. He's made nine starts at Phoenix Raceway in the Cup Series, posting two top fives, five top tens, as well as a pole. His average finish is a strong 13.0, which is sixth best in the series, second best in the championship four behind Denny Hamlin's 11.3. Elliott is also near the top of the charts in several pre-race loop data categories at Phoenix. His average running position is 8.930, which is second best in the series. A driver rating, I mentioned a 105.3, second best. 243 fastest laps run, which is ninth best and 2,418 laps in the top 15, or 85.5%, which is 13th most. He started from the pole and finished 7th at Phoenix earlier this season. Okay. Dude. A quick recap of the legacy of Hendrick Motorsports, or... Uh, no, we'll go ahead and move on to our hot topics. Uh, we right. are behind on hot topics. It's five minutes past the hour, and uh, Mike is here to join us for hot topics tonight. So, uh, Mike, um, why don't we let you kick off the hot topics for tonight? Well, first off, hey, and all. Um, obviously, <laughs> great recap on all the uh, the NASCAR Cup Series Championship 4. Let's get right at it. Uh, let's uh, let's get to into our picks for not just the Cup Series, but all three National Touring Series, Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and the NASCAR Cup Series. Who do you think is going to be our champions in each series this week? Okay. Um, Do you want to start, Jay? All right. Well, I was trying to catch my breath there, but I also chatted with Mike a little bit earlier, kind of knew this was coming. So uh, going through the Truck Series, I – I'd like to see rookie Zane Smith do it and make a uh, history. I'm always a fan of drivers making history. However, it, it uh, obviously doesn't happen a lot. No experience at Phoenix, not to say he can't. My fan favorite, if you would, would be Grant Enfinger. But I really think it's going to come down to between Brett Moffitt and Sheldon Creed. And I would give the edge to Brett Moffitt just because he has been there before. Uh, on the Xfinity Series side... Man, now I don't have a four-sided coin or a four-sided dice or something there. Uh, that one really could be a, an open one. I think there it goes 
based on the season, you got to call it between Chase Briscoe and Austin Sindrick. Neither one of them have uh, exactly been as stout throughout the playoffs, but they didn't have to be, if you will. I think they show back up at Phoenix, and I'd give the nod to, I guess, Chase Briscoe. Now, Mike and I only talked about the Cup Series, and this one, again, uh, especially after reading through these these stats, man, that's a tough one to call. I kind of think that Brad Keselowski might come in as the and me, to quote Joey Logano from uh, from two years back uh, in 2018, that he might come in there. But I think the track itself kind of favors Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott. So there again, that leaves kind of Joey Logano as maybe the the one. Uh, but reading through this, the stats for Penske uh, at Phoenix Raceway. So I I don't know. Uh, I'll go with I'll go with Brad Keselowski. Boy oh boy. Uh-huh. I think in all three of these series, any one of the championship four can win these races. Um, in in the uh, truck series, I have to agree with you, Jay. I think Moffitt's got the experience of all of the drivers, but it's not. Uh, and I think he's probably going to be the one to win the championship. But I would not be at all surprised to see Creed, Infinger, or Zane Smith win that race. Um, in the Xfinity series, I, I, I'm leaning toward Briscoe as well, uh, but I've got a feeling he he might be the highest finishing driver, not necessarily the winner in that race. Um, because, again, I think any one of the four drivers could win uh, when it comes down to it, but I think Briscoe's going to have the highest finish there. Uh, and same thing in the Cup series. I think any one of them can win. Uh, my favorite uh, after Joey Logano is the most recent winner, uh, he won there earlier this year. Uh, so, and he beat out his teammate Brad Keselowski. I think Brad Keselowski is uh, going to be gunning for the uh, win on this go around, and so I give the nod to him as well. Okay, so Mike, who are your picks? All right, so. In the uh, the Gander Outdoor Truck Series, this is probably a wide open one. We've been talking about all season long about how the Truck Series hasn't had any clear favorites. There's been momentum shifts back and forth. Uh, I think momentum has really settled on one driver. Um, you've got Brett Moffat. I, I know both of you picked Brett Moffat. He's a def- uh, not a defending series champion, but he's a former series champion. He's got a little bit less creepy mustache this year, but he still brings all that experience with him. But I'm not going to go with Brett Moffat. I'm going to go with the driver who currently has the most momentum on his side, and that's going to be Sheldon Creed. He's been phenomenal throughout the playoffs with multiple race wins. He's, he's dominated almost every single race in the playoffs, including the races he hasn't necessarily won. So, I could see any of those four winning the race and and therefore winning the championship, but I've got to go with the momentum, and right now the momentum is on the side of Sheldon Creed in the truck series. On the Xfinity side, uh, Justin Haley's really impressed me this year. Um, I think you could really call this a breakout season, not just for Justin Haley, but for colleague racing in general. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching colleague develop from a brand-new startup team into a weekly race win contender and this week a championship contender. Uh, Justin Allgaier is the experienced veteran in the group. Um, He's got the most years of experience in the Xfinity Series, um, but I don't think that's going to really play out well for him at Phoenix uh, in the sense that, 
he's run well there, but he hasn't really been a dominating presence either during the season or at Phoenix Raceway specifically. I agree. It's going to come down to uh, Chase Briscoe and Austin Sindrick. Phoenix Raceway isn't a typical racetrack. Obviously, it is an oval, but the flat, wide turns, it kind of almost races a little bit like a road course. And there's one driver that came into this Xfinity Series uh, season this year with the reputation of being a road course driver, and that's Austin Sindrick, and that's going to be my pick for this year for the Xfinity Series. And then NASCAR Cup Series. Um, for our fan for racing fantasy pick, I went with Joey Logano. And the reason I went with Logano is this feels a lot like 2018. Joey Logano kind of flew under the radar. We talked about all through the 2018 season about the big three, Martin Truex, Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick. And then he had Joey Logano kind of slip in under the radar. He won the battle at Martinsville, and then he won the war at uh, Homestead that next week. And that's why I went with Joey Logano. With that said, I could easily see Chase Elliott being just as much of a competitor there. Um, again, because of, uh, Phoenix kind of sort of racing a little bit like a road course, we saw how Elliott's road course experience helped him at Martinsville last week, and I think it could help him again this week. Coin flip, I'm going to go with Chase Elliott for my pick uh, just based on those factors alone, but I'm with you all. I wouldn't be surprised if any four of those uh, drivers win. And to be honest, I could see this race being won on pit road even more than uh, anything a driver does on the racetrack. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Jay, what, what's your follow-up there? Well, I think Mike hit on a very key point there. Of Pit road certainly going to be a huge factor in determination. Uh, the one thing, though, I took from what Sharon, you talked about was I think it's at the cup level, and we haven't seen it at the cup level yet. Uh, Phoenix being a new event uh, might be a little bit different, especially when we talk about Kevin Harvick not being in the championship four, that we might see a non-championship four driver win the race and the determining factor being the best finish out of those four. Now, all four of those, the stats back it up, uh, their history as well as their uh, momentum that Mike talked about. Uh, certainly carries them, but Harvick's got a little bit of determination, I think, uh, not having made the playoffs, wanting to get 10 wins on the season, that we might see for the first time in cup history a non-championship four driver win, or win the championship race, and it be determined amongst those other four where they finish compared to the others. Yeah, I have to agree. I don't really have too much to add, I, but I – uh, I think it's interesting. I, I'm going to have just – I'm really looking forward to watching all of these races this weekend because it is so hard to pick uh, which driver is actually going to be the one uh, to come out on top when it's all said and done. Uh, to Mike's point, there's a lot of things that can happen that are outside of their control. With Pitt Road, we saw it at Martinsville, uh, and I think we're going to see it again uh, this weekend at Phoenix. So – uh it's it's going to be it's going to be fun all all of these races are going to be fun to watch including the Arkham and Art Series West who is racing for their championship this weekend as well. So Mike your final thoughts? Well, to Jay's point regarding Kevin Harvick at Phoenix, Kevin Harvick has kind of become synonymous with Phoenix Raceway, but recent history kind of takes away from that a little bit. Kevin Harvick has only won one race at Phoenix since they reconfigured the track, and that hasn't been since the spring race in 2018. He still runs very well there, but to be honest with you, even if Kevin Harvick were in the championship four, 
I don't know that he would be my pick uh, to win the race and therefore win the championship. He could obviously be very, a very strong contender, but I don't immediately start writing Kevin Harvick's name in the win column when we roll into Phoenix like I did a couple of years ago. Yeah, you know, look at what he, what happened at Martinsville, also a, a less than a mile short track. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, okay, let's uh, let's think about uh, the next hot topic here, Jay. Well, stays there with the championship for this year for the for the first year, uh, moving it from Miami Homestead. To Phoenix, as well as what we talked about there, the reconfiguration coming into play. We've seen a shift in, as as Mike mentioned, it used to be again almost in pen, if not permanent marker, of of penciling Kevin Harvick in when it came to winning at Phoenix. But we have seen it be multiple different drivers. Denny Hamlin won there last year in order to advance to the Final Four championship four at Homestead Miami. So how much does how much of a factor does that come into play, especially with the reconfiguration layout now? Well, how long has that reconfiguration been in place, Jay? Uh, reconfiguration, I believe, has been three years. Okay, that's what I was thinking. So, Mike, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's amazing how just changing the position of the start-finish line completely changes how a racetrack functions. Uh, we saw it at Darlington, and now we've seen it at Phoenix, uh, where they just they didn't really change. They changed a little bit about the, the geometry of the racetrack, but it wasn't like they knocked it down and built a new racetrack there. They're still making left turns. It's still a one-mile track, and it's still more or less the same shape, but it completely changed the character of the racetrack how the drivers approach it, how they drive their cars on the track, and it's uh, significantly changed the race results there. We haven't seen Kevin Harvick be as dominant there as he used to be, and it's really opened the door to other contenders. We haven't had, uh, I may be wrong on this, I don't know that we've had a repeat winner at Phoenix since the reconfiguration, have we? I'm not sure. Let me pull up. Phoenix Raceway and seeing yes. Go ahead. I, I was going to say I was I was pulling up the date of the reconfiguration to look that up for sure. Uh, somebody else I have to get on that as far as the uh, the different winners. Okay, so go ahead and talk while I look this up. <laughs> well, the one the one thing I look at is, and we've seen it with with that reconfiguration, the, the ability to spread out. Um, coming to the start finish line, um, I know last year the margin of victory there with uh, between Joey Logano and I'm sorry earlier this year between um, Logano and Keselowski, especially when it comes down to the, the pressure of the championship four. I know it's been an elimination race, but now it is for the championship to see that like we might see at Talladega, and that goes back to the way Kevin Harvick used to be able to hook that bottom. Uh, and really cut down onto the bottom of the track. Whether or not we see that coming off of turn four down that tri-oval, if you will, uh, for the championship. Yeah, to your point, Jay, it's re- that's kind of what I was talking about with regard to how the drivers having to approach how they race the track differently. Um, just because it's more or less the same shape doesn't mean you're going to enter the turns the same way. It doesn't mean you're going to exit the turns the same way. Um, the other big change with the reconfiguration was really making cutting the dog leg a viable option. Uh, and we see that a lot with cars driving down deep onto the apron to shortcut that turn. 
and it comes at the expense of their geometry entering the rest of the turn from there. But we've seen guys be able to make some pretty, uh, pretty daring moves, and a lot of times it pays off, and sometimes it doesn't. But giving those drivers additional options, uh, it's really opened up the track, and it's created a lot of variety in terms of what we see as race fans and what drivers are able to do with their cars. Okay, I've got Phoenix Raceway. I'm pulling it up here. Uh, let's see. Well, and it, and recently, it go back to 28 through 2018 is when the re- renovation, which reconfigured pit road, infield, and moved the start finish line. So that's where we got to look at. Okay, in March of 18, it was Kevin Harvick. Then Kyle Busch won in November, and he came back and won okay. in March of 2019. So uh, uh, you've got Kyle Busch as a back-to-back winner there. Denny Hamlin won in November of 19, and Joey Logano won earlier this year. So there you have it. Well, and and there's another name that could come into play. Uh, Kyle Busch. Thinking back to, <laughs> yeah, to what to when it was. I actually predicted Kyle Busch to not get a win until the Phoenix race. Uh, he uh, shot that down with picking up the victory already, but he could still be a spoiler there. Yeah, I really think he could be. Um, and, and especially looking at that and seeing that he's, he's the only driver who's had uh, two wins since the reconfiguration. And if he's starting to get hot, uh, this does not bode well for folks going into the 2021 season uh, because I think (laughs) that's going to give him some momentum the year with. I tell you one thing, I would not want to be Kevin Harvick leading the end of that race with Kyle Busch in my mirror after what happened last week. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yep. That's uh, (laughs) now that would be be interesting. Okay, so can I can uh, I add, I'm, I'm, can I add the piggyback to that? Yeah, sure. Kevin Kevin Harvick's leading. Kyle Busch is second. Denny Hamlin is third and going to win the championship. Harvick and Kyle Busch wreck, and Denny Hamlin gets caught up in it, and somebody else wins the championship. Brad Keselowski. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was the name I was thinking too. Somehow Elliot would have to be involved in that as well, because I think two out of four Keselowski wins have been regarding errors that Elliot and his team has made on the racetrack. So Elliot making a mistake Ooh. and uh, Keselowski getting the win would fit this year. That, that is and, true. And, and, that is true. Yeah, uh, that's a, those are all good questions. Good scenario there, because I was wondering if uh, you guys thought any of those guys would wreck each other out. Okay, so Mike, or Jay, yeah, Mike, it's your turn. I actually had this on the list for Monday. We didn't get around to it because we had a lot to talk about. Um, but Denny Hamlin has signed a new endorsement deal with Domino's, the, uh, the fast food pizza chain. Um, it looks like it's a personal endorsement tied to Denny Hamlin, not necessarily to Joe Gibbs Racing. And what I find really interesting with that is there's not really a whole lot of sponsorship room on Denny Hamlin's race car. FedEx is more or less a full season sponsor for that team. Uh, they have associate sponsors, obviously. But what really got me curious is, remember a couple years ago, Bubba Wallace made a very 
strong effort to try and get Domino's to come on board and sponsor his racing operation. So I'm wondering if this Domino's endorsement deal with Denny Hamlin is the first step to seeing a first official sponsor announced for the 2311 team next year. Okay, Jay. Well, Mike, I got to give you credit. You got a you got a pretty good memory. Uh, when you mentioned it, I do remember that uh, deal t- attempting to be made there between Bubba Wallace and uh, Domino's when they were looking for sponsors for him. Um, so that is kind of interesting. It, I found it found it odd that they. I, I felt like very adamantly and specifically said it was a personal contract with Denny Hamlin. So that did lead me to believe that maybe it might eventually be tied to the number 23, uh, 23-11 team between him, Michael Jordan, and then driver Bubba Wallace. But it, it seemed like they really stressed that it was a personal contract. So I don't see it appearing with Joe Gibbs Racing um, for that reason. Whether or not it transfers over to the, the number 23, we'll have to wait and see. I, I'm kind of anxious about that to see what kind of sponsors. I know Bubba Wallace had multiple personal sponsors that he had picked up there I know some of them were kind of filtering onto the number 43 with him leaving, uh, whether or not they come over. Obviously, they will with him on the personal contract side, but whether or not any of those step up onto the car. Yeah. Uh, When you were talking about it, that was the thought that kind of came to my mind, is that uh, maybe it's not for Denny Hamlin. Maybe it's for uh, more of uh, the uh sponsorship of the 23 car um but I've got, i it makes me wonder why would they announce it that way why wouldn't they announce it as the sponsor for the 23 car why would they announce it as the uh, sponsor for Denny Hamlin so i i'm not sure how that's going to play out in the long run because you're right he's got a lot of sponsorship already on his car um but it's going to be interesting it's a new national endorsement deal with Domino based on promoting the pizza chain's car side delivery. Just around Denny Hamlin and not any other affiliation. So interesting. So Mike, what are your thoughts? Sponsorship on the 23 car is going to be a big question for next year. Um, we know Bubba Wallace has sponsors that he's bringing with him from Richard Petty Motorsports to 2311 uh, for next year. Uh, He's got Worldwide Technologies, Columbia Sportswear, and a few other sponsors that have signed on with them. The big question mark, though, and I'm not privy to their books, obviously, I would assume that the level of sponsorship necessary to get a uh, a full-car paint job at Richard Petty Motorsports is going to be a substantially lower number than what it would take to get a, uh, a similar deal with a Joe Gibbs Racing affiliated team like 2311 is going to be. Um, so I'm, I'm curious as to what the sponsorship picture will look, uh, look like for that team. Uh, I remember when Furniture Row Racing was shutting down, they explicitly cited the expense of being associated with Joe Gibbs Racing as part of the reason why they weren't financially able to continue operations. So I've got to assume that 2311 is going to have similar expenses that need to get covered, and those expenses get covered via sponsorship deals. Hopefully they're able to put something conclusive together and we get more information as fans, if not this week, during the off season, uh, and we can see that car get full sponsorship throughout the season, and they're able to field a competitive car for Bubba Wallace. There you go. Jay? Well, 
into the conspiracy uh, situation, but I know they also have to justify it. Uh, let me get my thoughts here in a straight line. The cost that other teams have paid, say Furniture Row as well as Levine Family Racing to Joe Gibbs, with Denny Hamlin as their driver being part of that, of that may not be quite the same, unfortunately, for whatever reason. But they got to be careful about that because that was NASCAR's one caveat that they were allowing this, but it could not be a if Joe Gibbs back team. So if yeah. there were breaks cut there, they got to be careful as far as cost. You got to be careful about that because again, NASCAR could step in and say, "Hey, you know who's really paying for this?" So we'll, we'll, those and those are numbers and things we probably won't ever see or hear officially. Um, but Mike, we, we talked about this with Levine family racing being another one, um, that we've seen in the past of to be friends with Joe Gibbs racing is costly. (laughs) Put it that way. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't see it as being, I, I think it's just centered around Denny Hamlin from everything that I've seen here, but we'll see what happens. Uh, that's not the only thing I can say. Mike? Uh, I'm pretty sure there is another thing you're going to want to say if you look at the clock. Oh, is it that time of the night? Nice. It is indeed. <laughs> we are coming up on our 1030 hour at Fan for Racing Radio, and if you're a new listener, uh, we like to let you know that we go off the air at exactly 1030 p.m. Eastern time tonight. But we will continue the rest of our conversation as part of our recording continues uh, so that we can capture that for the podcast. So uh, you might hear us go off air mid-sentence, but just know that we are recording the rest of the conversation. And if you've listened up to this point, what I do is I go out on Twitter to let you know that the podcast is now available and that we've finished our conversation uh, so that you can then go to the uh, player at com and just fast forward to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. Again, we do this for the new listeners uh, that may not know that we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. and that we do continue recording. So with that, uh, Mike, go ahead. Or Jay, I think it's – or no, Mike, you were going to finish up. Yeah, with regard to the sponsorship deal for uh, for Denny Hamlin with Domino's, um, like you said, there's, there's really not a whole lot of details out there. I did notice a small Domino's logo on Denny Hamlin's driver's suit sleeve on his in-car camera last week at Martinsville. Uh, but beyond that, apparently they're running some commercials with, you know, the, the standard pulls up to the store in a race car, they bring a pizza out to him kind of a thing. Uh, but I'm really interested to see where this is going to go from here. Domino's hasn't had a huge presence in NASCAR in the past few years. So hopefully this is the door opening to another company coming into the sport and providing sponsorship to to an up-and-coming and growing team with a, a budding superstar driver as well. Okay. Uh, Jay, you're up for the next top topic. All right. Well, I was looking for some of the details of it, but I know that uh, Michael Annette as well as the Pilot Flying J sponsorship are returning to junior motorsports. And again, I don't have, I hadn't found it back as far as the details on the length of it. Okay. Uh, Mike, you want to comment on it? 
Yeah, off the top of my head, I don't know the uh, the details either with regard to the length, but I did see the announcement. It's good to see. Uh, Michael Annette's been a solid presence at Junior Motorsports. I believe he's got one win with the organization, but he's one of those drivers. He shows up, he puts in the work, um, and the backing, the financial backing that he brings to the team helps the operation in a much broader sense as well. So it's good to see him get another opportunity uh, with Junior Motorsports in the number one car, and I wish them the best for the 2021 season. Yeah, I think it's uh, really cool that he's bringing Michael Annette back. Uh, he seems to be a good fit. He's had some really good runs. Uh, and uh, I look forward to watching him race uh, in the 2021 season. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? All right. From what I can tell on here, it just says uh, it says that uh, pilot, pilot Flying Jay and Michael Annette renew with JRM for 2021. So uh, maybe it's just a one-more-year deal. What I look at with that organization, um, Justin Algar and Michael Annette, very uh, steady and mainstay. Playoff contenders, Justin Algar has been to the, to the Final Four, uh, Championship Four here a couple of times, as we mentioned earlier in the program. Michael Annette, again, has shown steady improvement. Uh, he is one that I kind of listed as having that family money, but hooking up with Junior Motorsports, picking up his career win, getting into the playoffs, you know, if we can continue to see that build. And then I also like the fact they're kind of a split team because they also use it for de- developmental drivers. We're going to see Josh Berry and then Sam Mayer as they come along. And what we saw with the number eight team uh, this year with Daniel Hemrick, Jeb Burton, and a couple others that, that have uh, spread throughout that car. So I like the whole house junior motorsports is set up. Okay, yep, I think that is good. Mike, any follow-up? Well, this is going to be one part follow-up and another part. This is going to bleed into my next hot topic here. Hendrick Motorsports has got a full house now, and Junior Motorsports has kind of been the developmental team for Hendrick Motorsports. And it makes me kind of wonder, is Junior Motorsports going to be seen as a little bit of a dead end in the Xfinity Series for an up-and-coming driver, knowing that, the likelihood of being able to advance into a Hendrick Motorsports ride might not be what it was a couple of years ago with all four Hendrick Motorsports drivers in their early and mid-20s, and most of them signed the long-term deals with the exception of Alex Bowman. The likelihood of a new star developing at Junior Motorsports and moving into Hendrick Motorsports may be a little bit lower than what it has been the past few years. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, uh I'm trying to remember the original thought now. Oh, about Michael Annette being there. Um, and and you you remember a few years ago, uh, the same thing was happening. I think that's one of the reasons that Noah Gregson came to Junior Motorsports uh, is because uh, things were looking pretty well closed up at uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. So it's kind of ironic that now he's at Junior Motorsports. He's re-signed for another year. Uh, but here's where I think the good news of that comes in. I I would like to see some of these drivers stay in the Xfinity Series for a little bit longer uh, and not move up because we've got, uh, I, I think 2022 is going to be a season, and I'm probably opening up another whole can of worms here. But I think 2022 is going to be a season where we might see a few more uh, retirements and we're going to have a very young NASCAR Cup Series, I think, in the works uh, as a result of that. 
uh, and it's going to be a number of years, I think, before people are going to be able to move up there. I, I hope what that means is that we see some of these really talented drivers staying either in the uh, Xfinity Series or the uh, Gander Outdoor Truck Series. So what are your thoughts on that, Jay? Well, and, and that's not quite where I thought we were, we were going to go with that because I know a couple years <laughs> back it, it was a slight discussion of junior motorsports moving up to the Cup Series, um, which was kind of shot down pretty quick, quickly and heavily by uh, junior motorsports uh, and Kelly uh, Earnhardt. But when it comes to Chevrolet, the one thing I look at, we we've t- we talked about Joe Gibbs Racing and the affiliations they have. Richard Childress Racing, the other Chevrolet um, team that has openings but has uh, several alliances of whether or not we see any true Hendrick Motorsports do that. And we haven't seen that in a lot. We, we've seen them do the technical alliance with back uh, Stuart Haas Racing and that now um, Chip Ganassi Racing. And there are two spots available, two car. Uh, it would have to be a brand new team, but spots uh, Chip Ganassi Racing only having two teams uh, versus the full four. But we also have several of these teams that that are coming up of Spire Motorsports, for example, that those might be ones that take the road that Alex Bowman took. He was in multiple uh, lower tier teams. But if Hendrick Motorsports were to develop some type of more than a technical alliance with some of these teams, that that might be what you see. Second point to what Mike, something Mike said triggered something. You don't necessarily have to go from junior motorsports to Hendrick Motorsports, as if we recall, that is where Brad Keselowski came from. That's that's a very true statement. Mike, your follow-up? It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with driver development over the next few years. Uh, Tony Stewart had some comments about it a couple weeks ago, and he was very blunt regarding Toyota's driver development program. And Tony Stewart explicitly accused Toyota of ruining drivers' careers with the way that they develop a driver and then rapidly discard them once they get to the Cup Series and have maybe a slow start. Uh, He is specifically referencing what happened with Eric Jones as well as Daniel Suarez. Mm -hmm. And I can't help Mm -hmm. but thinking – you know, if, if I'm a young, developing, up-and-coming driver, maybe I get a little bit spooked that that's going to happen to me and maybe be a little bit more selective about where I go and, and think a little bit further ahead of my career trajectory, not assuming that getting a job driving for junior motorsports is going to lead to Hendrick Motorsports or driving a truck for Kyle Busch is going to lead to Joe Gibbs Racing. That you know the the recent history in the past couple of years, especially on the Toyota side, may give a young driver something to consider as they're selecting where they want to go with their career. That's a very good point. Um, I, that's a very good point, and I do think that we are going to see uh, a, a transformation, if you will, when it comes to all of that. Uh, for all the reasons that you just stated and and what I stated earlier. So, Jay, what's your follow-up on that? Because I've I've got a hot hot topic I'm going to add into the mix here. Well, that's where it gets to be to the point of, uh, you know, we might be back to where NASCAR maybe needs to evaluate. Not that we've seen several teams not even be able to maintain three cars or go down to two, but – Looking at that cap, you go back in the day when Roush Fenway Racing was able to have five, you know, if they could provide it. 
If not, like I said, I think we're going to need to see some more alliances. Now, we know Colleg Racing is eyeing a 2022 uh, emergence, and that's what NASCAR is kind of looking at of with the new car coming out in 2022 of new owners being able to come in. We already see Spire Motorsports as their building, and I can't even remember the name. What is uh, Justin Mark? Track side, track house, track house, I believe. Track, track house. house. Now they're partnering. Okay, they're partnering with uh, Richard Childress Racing, but it might be one of those as as an organization. Chevrolet needs to look at Richard Childress Racing, Hendrick Motorsports as a Chevrolet development. It can't necessarily be to Joe Gibbs Racing or Hendrick Motorsports because there is only four at the top level. So it, it, mm-hmm. if they want to keep them within the brand, Toyota specifically being that they only have Joe Gibbs racing with the occasional one here, one there. Chevrolet and Ford at least have multiple openings if that manufacturer wants to keep a particular driver within an or within the manufacturer. Okay. Uh, the, and I'm going to bring this up uh, as well. It kind of ties in. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was named the executive director for iRacing. Uh, and it makes me wonder if how iRacing, uh, they've really been putting a lot of effort into bringing that into the mainstream of NASCAR racing. And uh, now Dale Jr. is going to become their executive director. Uh, the talks were consummated when Earnhardt challenged his management team to formalize a relationship he has been building informally for years. The deal includes Earnhardt receiving a set compensation as an endorser with additional financial incentives that could see the deal become more lucrative for the former driver. So what are your guys' thoughts about that, Because, and how does that tie in uh, to what we're saying here about uh, kind of some transitioning that uh, NASCAR is going to be going through over the next few years here? All right. Uh I know that we have a couple right now, especially at the cup level, and it goes back to Junior. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has always been involved with uh, online racing. I know the iRacing thing is kind of the new yep. program, but think back to it. it was Martin Truex Jr. That's how he actually got to know Martin Truex Jr. and brought him into what was then Chance 2 Motorsports, I believe, um, back as Truex came in. Another one we've talked about is William Byron, but I don't mm-hmm. see a great – influx of drivers getting a shot all the way up to the cup level from iRacing. I think it is a a separate program. There may be one or two that then get a, whether it be a late model Xfinity, maybe Xfinity or truck, but I think they're going to have to prove themselves through that, that route. Uh, I think that we're still going to see the main core come from your super late models, the East West Arca, Arca East West, series as well as the arca series Uh, you know it's just like we talk about dirt tracks i mean there are thousands of very very talented drivers uh you know there's a few that we talk about that have come from dirt backgrounds but not an extensive amount i think you're going to see the same thing with iRacing there is going to be those few we're going to have the martin truex william byron uh that come through but i don't see that that being the primary picking place if you will <laughs> I like that uh, name for it, the primary picking place. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? Well, 
uh, this kind of ties into what we were just talking about. And I think, unfortunately, with as much as we'd like to see teams adding cars, in the current financial situation where most teams are at, Hendrick Motorsports, I know there was a lot of talk about them actually downsizing to a three-car team for next year. That's not going to happen now with the addition of Kyle Larson. But there are still sponsorship issues at Hendrick Motorsports. I'm pretty sure Chip Ganassi would love to add an additional car or two if he could make it work financially. But unfortunately, given the current sponsorship climate, I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is the development of the relationship between NASCAR and iRacing has grown substantially over the past few years. You've seen them promote iRacing heavily via the NASCAR iRacing series. Most of the major um, real-world racing teams now have an affiliated iRacing team, and that's promoted heavily via NASCAR's official media channels. And I think that may end up being another avenue where it doesn't cost tens of millions of dollars to put a competitive iRacing team together. So you may see a completely separate lane in which drivers are developed, groomed, and then they end up being the premier driver in iRacing and may never see a real-world race car for any of these teams, but they become superstars in their own right. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has been very deeply involved in iRacing for years. Uh, There's actually an Easter egg in iRacing where every single racetrack at iRacing has a picture of Dale Earnhardt Jr. hidden somewhere. Uh, They featured that during the North Wilkesboro race when they debuted that track. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is actually working one of the souvenir stands at the virtual North Wilkesboro Speedway. Um, So Dale's uh, participation with iRacing has been outstanding. I think it's benefited both companies. It's given iRacing the visibility and notoriety. And at the same time, it's given Dale Earnhardt Jr. a chance to connect with fans in a way he probably wouldn't have been able to. If you go on YouTube, there's video after video after video of just random guys who they end up, they're iRacing for the night, and now there's Dale Earnhardt Jr. in their lobby, and now they're racing against a former NASCAR Cup Series driver and one of the most well-known race car drivers, at least in our era. Um, So I think that relationship with iRacing is going to continue to grow, and as financial resources dictate a downsizing on the real-world side, I think we're going to see an upsizing in the iRacing virtual world just because the cost kind of drives into that direction. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking the same thing, Mike. I think that uh, bringing Dale Earnhardt Jr. into the fold of iRacing as an executive director to help guide the direction, which is the way they phrased it, uh, I think that's a smart move because he's he's very popular in the racing world. This is uh, ingrained for him. He 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 loves the iRacing uh, format. And uh, uh, Nick Ottinger is the most recent eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion, and his team is William Byron Esports. We see a lot of the drivers. Denny Hamlin has a team. Uh, A lot of these drivers have a team that's part of this iRacing group. Uh, So I, I think it's a smart move, and I do see it becoming bigger and bigger as the years go by. Um, and, and maybe in, in I, I say that like future years, but I don't think it's, I think we're talking more near future versus far future that we're going to see this uh, rise even more. So, Jay, any additional thoughts there? Well, I certainly like the move of Dale Earnhardt Jr. joining it and the crossover between it as far as promotion. And I, and I look at it as sort of, of that of maybe a marketing platform of a, you get fans that are interested and they go from iRacing to watching the cup racing Xfinity series trucks or whatever. And then as well as sponsor kind of get your feet wet of, okay, for, for this, we'll get, we'll let you show you what, what, what we can give you 
uh, from exposure from iRacing, okay, can we take it to that next step and put it on the car, put it on it with the driver or something, that maybe it's more of a marketing platform than a driver development platform. There you go. Um, Mike, your thoughts? Well, I think uh, the future is bright for iRacing. Um, the uh, the COVID pandemic, I think it drove a lot of people into the platform. I know NASCAR used it as a stopgap when the real world racing was suspended. Uh, they they put together iRacing events with all the big name Cup Series drivers, and those were really popular. I watched them. They were a lot of fun to watch. I don't know that they were necessarily a substitute for real world racing, but it was a whole lot better than nothing. Um, I think that's <laughs> going to continue to it's going to continue to grow and. Uh, it gives NASCAR the opportunity for a lot more people to become involved in the sport. Um, it's not realistic for a lot of people to go out there and get a cup series car and go race against cup series drivers in the real world, but it's very realistic for somebody to do it in iRacing. So that ability to reach out and connect with fans in a very direct level, uh, it's a great opportunity for NASCAR to grow the sport, uh, both in the vir- virtual world and in the real world. Yeah, I think it's a, a real grassroots kind of thing that a lot of fans have been kind of begging for, and I think this kind of fills that void to some degree. Uh, and I also uh, agree with you, Jay, that um, I do think that we are going to find a few drivers that are identified as drivers that could move into the Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and ultimately the Cup Series, like a William Byron or a Martin Truex Jr., uh, not that they're going to be a dime a dozen. Uh, they'll be few and far between, but I think a few drivers uh, could come from that venue. Okay, so, uh, Mike, I think you're up next. Do you, do you have anything else? Uh, this is going to be a quick one since I know we're kind of getting close to the top of the hour here. Um, everyone talks about good luck charms, you know, whether you got lucky horseshoes or, or whatnot. Brad Keselowski's bringing his with him to Phoenix this weekend. He's bringing the big beer glass with him. <laughs> I've wondered where you were going with that. Okay, Jay. Yeah, I did. I did see that on Race Hub that there is actually a request for that. I, I don't know if that's his lucky charm. Uh, be careful about it. It's one of those of uh, you know don't want to get. Uh, I don't know if cocky is the right word, but count your chickens before they're hatched either. So I'd be careful about that. But I, I know that was a, a kind of a segment there on Race Hub as they were talking about each of the championship four that they talked about. That certainly was one of the unique things that Brad Keselowski brought to his championship celebration for sure. And we'll have to wait and see because. Uh, Joey Logano might be doing it with a with a thing of oil from Pennzoil. Uh, you never know. <laughs> oh my! Um, yeah, I I would love to see Brad Keselowski bring his beer mug with him or his how how much how big was that thing? It was a beer glass, not a mug. Oh, it's about the size of my leg. Yeah, it was huge. Um, I think it would be cool, but like you say, you got to be careful about counting your chickens before they're hatched. I'd keep it uh, kind of tucked away until it's needed, obviously, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens when when he uh, kind of imbibed the first time around. Uh, <laughs> it, it kind of uh, had an effect on him pretty quickly. So I like the fact that they put the uh, the uh, goggles and and stuff on to uh, uh, spray the champagne on each other, too. I like that as well. So, Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, 
Yeah, one of the uh, one of the funnier uh, moments of the 2012 championship was seeing uh, Brad Keselowski pretty sloppy on his sponsor's <laughs> product there uh, during the interview process. Uh, hopefully, it brings the team luck. I'm not the biggest Brad Keselowski fan. Uh, we we talked earlier. I'm not necessarily picking him to win, but it's always fun to see drivers. Yeah, yeah, obviously, you got to take it really seriously. It's professional-level racing it, it, and whatnot. But at the same time, have a little bit of fun with it, and that's great seeing it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think Brad will do that. Jay, your thoughts? A follow-up? Yes. Again, uh, you know, I was a fan, obviously, the first time around there with 2012 and winning the championship, but that had nothing to do with the sponsor. That had to do with the manufacturer of Dodge. So, uh, but I have been a fan of Brad's, uh, seeing him run with junior motorsports. Uh, I know he's had his moments where he hasn't been the most popular driver, but I think he is another one that is good for the sport, no matter how you look at it. And one thing kind of tying back to our previous topic there of, we might need to see more of that of what Denny Hamlin is doing. And I think of Kevin Harvick has owned KHI. I know he, he sold it and it's now a, a contracted company. But we might need to see more drivers. You know, you got Jeff Gordon invested in Hendrick Motorsports. Sharon has talked about this of several of the owners that are getting to the age of when they step aside, who is the next series of, of owners? And we see Justin Marks coming in as well. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll see how some of these that may be getting ready to retire play into that down the, down the road. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. And, and Keselowski does have fun. Uh, and and people enjoy it, uh, like you say, Mike. Uh, people remember him celebrating in Victor Lane with that uh, big glass of beer. Um, and uh, I think he made he made a, a fairly decent champion. He he was uh, good at making some suggestions and offering some things. Uh, maybe some people didn't always appreciate his ideas or thoughts. Uh, but uh, I thought he was a good champion, and I think he'll be another good champion uh, if he were to win this year. He's been kind of quiet, and uh, I think he's due for a good year, so we'll see what happens uh, because he's got three other drivers that are going to be really hard to beat uh, at Phoenix, uh, and like we've said earlier, any one of them can win. So, Mike, what are your thoughts to wrap up here? Well, like you said, Brad Keselowski has been a great, uh, he was a great champion for the sport. And I know I said, I'm not a huge fan of Brad Keselowski, but I appreciate and respect him. And the thing that I really like about Brad Keselowski, it's a little thing, but whenever he's interviewed, he always, always addresses the person by name and it's rare. Mm -hmm. And it shows, it shows the level of attention to detail and respect that Brad has that he takes the time to learn each of these reporters' names and uses it, and it really creates that great personal connection, and I respect that a lot about Brad. He's also had a lot of really great inputs in terms of safety in the sport. I remember a couple years ago when he crashed at Indianapolis, they're still running the racetrack. Uh, They're still running the race on the track, and he's talking to executives at Indianapolis about how to make the racetrack safer to avoid drivers being put in the situation where he was, where he was on his side against the tire barrier. <laughs> a quick story here when I the first time I went to uh uh media day for the chase uh so that's how far back this was uh, uh we were interviewing the different drivers but when Brad Keselowski came up uh right away he looked at me and he says wait a minute I don't know you and he points directly at me <laughs> 
And I told him who I was and everything. He says, oh, yeah, I know who you are. And then we, he was ready to do the interview, but he wasn't going to go on with the interview until he knew who I was. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. That is true, and I can't say Brad is, is 100% as Carl Edwards, but I think he is one that generally will take his sunglasses off as well. I know Carl Edwards yeah. was like 99.9% of the time that, that he did. Uh, Brad is another one that rarely do you see him with sunglasses on for his interviews. Yeah, yeah, he he is very personable uh, in that way, so that that's very cool. Okay, um, Jay, did you have another hot topic? Right, we've got a couple more minutes. No, here. I think th- I think that was uh, actually. Wait, let me see if it. Yeah, I still do have Twitter up. Uh, was it back out? The 2021 Cars Tour late model stock and super late model schedule is released, and I got it from Matt Weaver. Starts out at Rockingham. Oh, okay, very cool, Mike. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to see Rockingham Speedway just kind of holding on. Um, I, I still hold on to the hope that maybe we go back to some of these racetracks that uh, that have fallen off the Cup Series schedule. I know, Sharon, you're already holding out for Chicagoland Speedway. Uh, <laughs> but seeing some of the other tracks come back, uh, National Super Speedway sat dormant for the better part of a decade, and now the Cup Series, all three National Series, uh, are going to National Super Speedway next year. So hopefully we can continue to see some of these these legacy racetracks come back and get added back into the series schedule. I know Rockingham, it, it rubbed a lot of fans the wrong way when Rockingham was removed from the schedule, and there's been a consistent call to bring back Rockingham in addition to other uh, other racetracks that the Cup Series or other uh, you know the lower-level series have gone to in the past. So hopefully as the schedule continues to develop, Obviously, it's not going to happen in 2021, but as they continue with the revisions and revamp of how the NASCAR Cup Series schedule is constructed, uh, they take another look at some of these legacy speedways and maybe bring a couple of them back into the rotation. All right. Uh, Chicagoland and Iowa Speedway, because there's no races at Iowa this year either, uh, next year. Um, but as far as Rockingham, I think part of the problem with Rockingham was that uh, they didn't get a lot of local support, and the attendance was not where it needed to be in order for them to be viable and to continue. So um, uh, if they can get that corrected, <laughs> then I think a lot of fans would love to see Rockingham come back because uh, they produce some really great racing. Um but uh, uh, you've got to have that local support in order to make it work. So, Jay, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, that's one of those, again, it always just kind of adds that spark of hope. You know, it's not gone. It's not shut down. It's not overgrown. It is being at least utilized, mm-hmm. uh, which continues to give hope. But as you said, we've seen Chicago on have to come off the schedule. Iowa not get one in a cup series, which we thought was a possibility, and then also lose it to other dates, which uh, I find very sad. But especially with the, the kind of the, the increase uh, looking to return to short tracks, and I know they did some throughout this year when they said, and they said 2021, you know, nothing was off the table, that we might see a midweek race, which you don't expect to pack a 155,000 like you would at Bristol or somewhere else that that might be one for a consideration of a midweek race um, and also trying to shorten up the schedule. And it's viable for the teams as it 
for most of the teams anyway, the short haul from the hub of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think if it's going to fit into the NASCAR schedule, that's kind of where I see it fitting in. Okay, Mike. I think a thing that benefits a place like Rockingham is NASCAR has kind of collectively realized over the past year or two that it's not realistic to expect to get 80 to 100 to 150,000 fans to show up for the vast majority of these races. The Daytona 500, the Bristol night race, those are kind of your exceptions. It seems like they're a lot more uh, satisfied to get somewhere in the 40,000 fan attendance range, which brings a lot more uh, track kind of within reach in terms of driving the fan turnout. Um, Phoenix Raceway only seats a little bit over 40,000, and NASCAR moved its series finale there uh, versus trying to, to pack 100,000 people into, into the grandstands. So hopefully as NASCAR's become, a, you know, for lack of a better way to describe it, they become a little bit more forgiving in, in terms of low fan turnout. That opens the door for a lot of speedways who in the past were criticized for their inability to turn out fans and lost dates as a result of it. Hopefully it opens the door for them to come back. I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to bring 40,000 fans into Rockingham, especially if it's a return to the schedule. Uh, over a couple of years, maybe that'll dwindle, especially if the races aren't that exciting. But Rockingham did tend to produce some good races, and I don't see them having a problem bringing in you know, that 40,000 target. Darlington packs the house, and it's only about forty to 45,000 seats at Darlington as well, and they're in the middle of nowhere. Rockingham's even a little bit more accessible than Darlington is, and uh, I think a 40,000 uh, fan attendance target – would be uh, something that Rockingham could pull off, and it really gives good consideration to bringing Rockingham back for you know the 2022 season or sometime beyond. Yeah, you bring up uh, an interesting point. Uh, keeping in mind that we're talking COVID at this point, so uh, they wouldn't be looking to fill it completely. I know Phoenix is sold out uh, for this weekend. Uh, seats are uh, the seats that are no longer available, and um, uh, with and they're they're not at capacity uh, because of the COVID and the social distancing. So you're right. Who knows? Uh, NASCAR probably is going to be a little more forgiving, but at some point uh, they they've got to have enough people to to make it viable. But I know that people would tune in to watch it, and I like the idea, Jay, that you bring up of uh, making it a midweek race. Uh, and I'm thinking along the lines of like an Eldora Speedway. Uh, if they could do something like that, that would be pretty cool. Jay, your final thoughts? Did I lose Jay? Did we get cut off? I'm here. I'm still I'm still with you. Okay. I think Jay got cut off, and so he's not going to be able to call back in. So... <laughs> Mike, we'll do our our quick uh, back and forth around the table and uh, go from there. Sure, yeah, it's uh, Mike underscore Rizal on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Um, I've got an article that just went live on Fan for Racing, uh, kind of analyzing the breakdown of the number four team and how Kevin Harvick ended up getting eliminated from the championship four, uh, and kind of break into a little bit of the analysis that we talked about on Monday regarding what the team could have or didn't do that resulted in Kevin Harvick not being eligible for a championship. So head over to Fan for Racing and check it out. Okay. Fan for Racing site on Twitter and Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforracing.com. Uh, I am going to be putting up uh, for each of the series, we're going to do a crew chief uh, uh, feature uh, identifying the championship for crew chiefs 
that will be involved this weekend uh, so that you can learn a little bit more about them going into uh, each of the series uh, uh, season finale uh, over the weekend. So we'll start with the Truck Series on Friday, Xfinity Series on Sunday, and then, of course, the Cup Series on, I mean, Xfinity Series on Saturday and the Cup Series on Sunday. So uh, watch for that to be coming out. And uh, and then, of course, uh, the recap from Sam Bornhorst on Monday. And uh, I'm not sure if uh, um, Owen's going to be doing the cash or pass uh, for this week or not. But uh, if he sends it to me, I'll try to get it out uh, so that you'll have it for your picks for the Cup Series. So uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you. And, of course, to our Fan for Racing crew uh, for another fun night here on Fan for Racing Radio. So with that, I think we're ready to call it a night, guys. Yeah, one quick note. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to work on Monday, so this will be my last show for the season. It's been a ah. pleasure talking to everybody, and I look forward to, uh, to it again. If I can make something work with work on Monday evening, I might be able to make it in, but right now it doesn't look very promising. So if I can get on it, I look forward to talking to you all again, and if not, you'll hear me again next season. Oh, okay. Thanks, Mike. And and Andy was not here tonight, but he said he'll be here Monday night. So we'll look forward to that. And that will be our our finale for the season on Monday night. So thanks, everybody. Good night. Have a great night. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.